Is it better to be feared or respected? I say, is it too much to ask for both? With that in mind, I humbly present the crown jewel of Stark Industries Freedom Line. It's the first missile system to incorporate our proprietary repulsor technology. They say the best weapon is one you never have to fire. I respectfully disagree. I prefer the weapon you only have to fire once. That's how Dad did it. That's how America does it. And it's worked out pretty well so far. Do you expect me to talk? Welcome to episode 119 of Do You Expect Stalk? I'm your host, Becca, and as always, joined by my lovely co-hosts, Chris and Dave. How are you both doing? Feeling very, very lovely. Thank you, Becca. <laughs> Feeling marvellous. Oh! So what you did there. Yeah. I don't anyway. Know gonna, I don't know how I'm going to manage that with DC down the line. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling detective comic <laughs> <laughs> I detect sarcasm. I detect comic books somewhere. Somewhere along the line. Well, obviously Marvel started off as timely comics as well. They were. This show, very timely. Which is very timely indeed. All the puns. Good Good evening, folks. Are you gentlemen ready to step into a part of a larger universe? Yes. Uh, You just don't know it yet. Um... (laughs) Yeah, this is this is this is the biggest series we've done since Bond, by a distance. It's um, still going. Obviously, Bond like, is, but is is this, is this now beat Bond? Because it it will do what? No, um, Avengers Four will be the twenty second. Right. Okay. So uh, obviously, Spider Man, but I think Black Panther maybe next year as well. Certainly, Spider Man Far From Home, what we believe it to be called, is next year as well. That will be, I think, the twenty third. So they'll they'll pa- they'll they'll probably pass Bond late next year, or sorry, match Bond late next year and pass the following. Well, no, Bond twenty five is next year. I think Marvel will hit its twenty fifth film the year after. Okay, so we got. Yeah. So what? So what? Avengers four will be the twenty twenty third. Twenty second. Twenty second. I need to look at it actually. I did, we did, we did plan this out. We we said. Um, in a very recent episode, we haven't planned this out. We have now, but I've got to call it up because I've got to remember what the hell I said now. Um, okay, so um, now a lot of how this series goes depends on how quickly we get through it. So whatever life throws in our way, a few other things we want to do, like we're doing a Superman commentary later in the year. But if you were to count to the end of Avengers 4, so the end of Phase 3, that would set up a 28-episode series. 
So you have phase one, which is six films. That takes you from tonight's film through to the Avengers. Our seventh episode would be a commentary on one of the phase one films. That will be my choice because I'm the next one to choose a commentary. It brings us back around to my Bond commentary being a choice after we finish, but I'll choose a commentary from that phase. Then you've got six more films. You have Iron Man 3 through to Ant-Man, and then there'll be a second phase commentary, which will be the 14th episode, and that will be uh, Becca's choice. Then we have Captain America Civil War through to... Now, definitely Ant-Man and the Wasp, because that will be out on home release later this year. Um, And that will bring up a phase three commentary that will be Chris's choice. Then Charlie Brigden will join us for a music of the Marvel Cinematic Universe episode. Then we're going to do a second phase three commentary, which will either be a consensus choice. Either the three of us will just say, let's do that one, or we may put it out to the vote. We don't know yet. And this is where we're a little bit unsure about timings because we've still then got Captain Marvel, the, the fourth Avengers film, which are the 26th and 27th episode, and then a final rankings episode. We will not do a final rankings episode until the fourth Avengers film is released. So our rankings will incorporate the first three phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the 22 films we've just talked about. So in terms of uh, when they fall, it will depend on timings. In terms of breaks, it will depend on how we feel. We will definitely do the first three phases. So we are definitely in through to the end of uh, phase two with Ant-Man and the phase two commentary. If we just we reserve the right to take a break there, if we're enjoying it, we'll keep going and we'll keep going until we run out of films. And then, like I say, final rankings will come after the fourth Avengers film, whether or not Spider-Man is out on cinematic release by that point. And then I think in the future we will group Marvel films and maybe revisit it once a year and do two or three episodes. That is the plan. So that is the biggest series since Bond. Uh, we did 20, 37 Bond films or 37 Bond episodes in our original run there. Um, and I think our longest series after that was Star Trek at something like 19. So, yeah, our second largest series ever. And I dare say, with the current sort of um, popularity of things, probably I'd be very surprised if this wasn't a very um, popular series. Well, yeah, I think um, I think we find it easy to do like a lot of these episodes. It won't, it won't be like Star Trek where we just end up like, oh fucking hell, because the 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 quality is reasonably consistent and they do vary from film to film. You know, it's, yeah, I don't know, think there's, there hasn't really been a dud as such, has there? I mean, there's a couple. There's but, a few, but there's, there's, there's but, a few ones like like. But it's Hulk, not like example. oh my god, that's fucking awful. Uh, it's no, it's really dire. Like, oh, that's a bit well, I think average. I, I, I mean, on the outset, I mean, we're going to be ranking these. So just a reminder to Chris and Becca, please rank these as you go along. Uh, I've got a skeleton ranking at the moment. Now, for example, at the outset, I'm not I wasn't overly in love with Doctor Strange, for example. That's not to say I won't like it this time. I've deliberately not picked one right at the bottom. But, you know, I've picked one where I was a bit like, don't know. Um, But it didn't follow. It wasn't Doctor Strange 3. I didn't have like two Doctor Strange films before it, and then the following year I've got to do another. Following week, sorry, I've got to do another Doctor Strange episode. If I don't like Doctor Strange this time, well, the previous week I did Civil War, and the following week I'm doing Guardians of the Galaxy, then Spider Man. 
So I think there's enough variation to keep you going. Whereas when we got to the next generation films in Star Trek, we had one bad film and then the next week we had another bad film, you know, mm-hmm. from the same crew. So um, I'm fairly confident we'll go through this in one hit, but we're not promising because obviously James Bond is our thing. So we could have talked about that week after week for forever. Yeah, I think, well, I think we'll just go through it like troopers. There will be a couple of breaks uh, because in December we will do um, Superman. Um, and I don't think we'll do that additional. I think we will take a, a one-week break and I'll run to do that. Oh, we've got a Christmas commentary uh, as well, haven't we? And we've got the Christmas oh, yeah. commentary. We normally do that instead of, but last year, or the first year we did, uh, sorry, we normally, the first year we did that as well as. So we kept our normal schedule and threw in a Christmas one as well. Last year, I think we were all busy. So it went as part of our normal run. So we don't know this time, is what we're saying. Uh, there's also a Creed film out towards the end of the year, a Rocky film. Shit, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so that, we will, that'll we'll, be out what? January, we reckon, don't we? I don't think it's been... Well, if you go by previous Rocky films, they'll get it in November, we'll get it in January. Hmm. We may get it in November as well, but historically we've got it in January. Um, if that is the case, I suspect we'll try and do a weekend of release ish kind of review yeah so we'll take the odd break here and there but basically it's all marvel all the time through to 2019 now good stuff i'm looking forward to this series you know what i am as well even though I'm, i'm only familiar with it through many of the films and uh, a very small number of the comics but no i am looking forward to the series i think we it's it's been waiting to happen it's been on the list since we started in, it has, and a few you know, people that, have requested us to do it as well so they have uh, and i know a lot of people are looking forward to this so, mm. so um, thank you dear be listeners. aware we really are as well we're very very excited about this mm, can't wait. so to start us off becca what are we covering tonight without further ado we kick off our marvel retrospective review series with iron man Starring Robert Downey Jr., Gwyneth Paltrow, Terence Howard, Jeff Bridges, and many more, plus the voice of Paul Bettany. Written by Mark Fergus, Mark Hawke, Osby, oh, I can't spell his names. Alex Markham, Matt Holloway, and with characters created by Stanley, Don Heck, Larry Lieber, and Jack Kirby. With a score by Roman Jabwadi, directed by Don Favreau, and released 2008. Oh my god, it's ten years old, this film. Well, we found that out when we got kicked out of twitter for being 10 this is, <laughs> this is the film that made us twitter renegades um, they locked us out because we were Ram too Jaw- yeah Ramajawadi um also wrote the music for game of thrones so the famous uh, the famous oh, the particularly that opening score which is quite uh, opening theme which is kind of iconic now is, is a Ramajawadi. It's one of the most famous ones you know it's become yeah. famous when the simpsons do a parody yeah absolutely um which i haven't seen actually but, um i can imagine it in my head though it does, yeah, it's, it's, it's really clever, actually. Um, but no, I do I do love, like, the theme. It's, as you say, it's one of the most iconic TV themes ever. Um, I, I and it's, just, it's, it's really fitting for, like, spawning fantasy epic. I think as well, because this this um, this score is very sort of rock and roll, this, this film's got the feeling of... It does have the feeling of a young upstart studio. It really does. It, it doesn't. It feels. I mean, there's nothing more establishment now than, you know, the Marvel series. It, it's a license to print money, but this really wasn't the case. I mean, they started with Iron Man. They didn't start with, 
well, I mean, they nearly started with The Incredible Hulk in that's that's next week's film, but they didn't start with Spider-Man, the Hulk, the X-Men, etc. Because they didn't know them. Marvel Studios, uh, well, Marvel as a company nearly went bust 20 or so years ago. Um, just, I, I don't even know why that was. I don't know if that was bad investments, collapses in comic book market. I don't know. To keep themselves afloat, they sold off most of their favorite uh, their famous characters. Spider-Man went to mm-hmm. Sony. Uh, Fox, was Fox. Fox, Fox, as was yeah. the Fantastic Four. Hulk went to Universal. Um, I believe, and I may be wrong, Iron Man was either Paramount or Universal. I can't remember. Um, so either, even Iron Man was sold off at one point, but the, the, the uh, rights did revert in time. But yeah, they kept themselves afloat. And then, of course, we get to the mid-2000s, and they decide they want to do it. They decide they want to go ahead. So they go to Merrill Lynch, a division of Bank of America, and get themselves a $525 million line of credit uh, on a business plan that uh, involved them creating a series of films. Um, and they started with Iron Man because Iron Man was basically what they had. They, you know, we'll see that with Phase Phase 1 just generally. See, I, I always thought that it was more of a, well... Let's let's just see if we can because it you know spoiler the, the only real mention of like of um, of expanding universe is, is like tagged on right at the very end. I mean, I didn't realize it was, you know when it came out it was for well had to stay and watch the end credits now for every fucking film because <laughs> these yeah. days these days like fuck it. is there something at the end I I fucking don't know anymore. Uh, yeah, I wish Marvel <laughs> would give me money for all the films I've sat through that didn't have one when I got to the end of it. I mean, like you know, you know, you may successful when there's actually apps or like you can actually Google like whether there's actually something at the end or some or something or not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I mean, it, you know, uh, we'll talk about it as we go through the film. But obviously, there's mention of the Avengers. Well, the Avengers are extremely famous now, but I'd not heard of the Avengers. I, 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 the Justice League were a lot more famous, the DC equivalent in popular culture. I would suggest. The caveat to that is we're not really comic book people. And the comic books I have read have tended to be DC. Not because I'm a DC fanboy particularly, but I like Batman. So I've read a lot of sort of Batman um, trade paperbacks and I've read a few Superman. I have read a couple of Hulks. I've read Hulk Grey and one or two other things. I've read I've read um, Ultimate Spider-Man and a couple of other things. But largely speaking, we're going to critique things from the perspective of the films here. We're not going to talk about how it compares to the comic book Iron Man, except where we might have picked that information up. But um, I don't think... I think it was an Easter egg. I don't think they were sure. I think it was an aspiration. But it was like, we're going to go for see. it, but we reserve the right to kind of politely ignore it if it doesn't quite work out. Well, we've got this film, and then a couple of months later, you've got the, the second film. And then there's a two-year gap, and it, and and when it comes back, suddenly there's a ton of a you know Avengers foreshadowing. Mm. So I think it's in that period they decided they were going to do it. Yeah, because Iron Man was a really this this film was actually a really big hit. Relatively speaking, now the funny thing is, I think if you'd been sat Christmas two thousand and eight looking back on the movie year. And saying, you know, which was the comic book film of the year? I think most people would say The Dark Knight, uh, because The Dark Knight took over a billion at the box office when that was rarer than it is now. 
This took 585 million, which is still a sizable hit. But that's it, quite remarkable back in the day. But The Dark Knight was a bigger film, particularly in the United States. In fact, in the United States, it nearly took as much as Iron Man did worldwide. But I think over time, largely because most comic book films are Marvel, Iron Man has been far more influential in setting the tone. If you look at The Dark Knight, it's got more in common with something like X-Men in that it's a comic book movie that wants to exist in the real world, whereas the Marvel Cinematic Universe increasingly has embraced its comic book origins and allows them to dress like comic book characters and allows them to have the powers and and stuff of, of real comic book characters. It's it, I think this fear coming into this series was that I've got to go back in time to this now. We've now got Iron Man in, in the Avengers on another planet in a suit that, like, forms around him and, you know, all that kind of thing. We've now got to go back to 2008 where it's it's a lot more real world. It's a lot smaller. It's a lot cheaper. Still a relatively expensive film, but, you know, Marvel in Phase 1, and this is going to be my critique all the way through the phase, first, all the way through Phase 1, was slightly cheap. Before Disney bought them out, Kevin Feige, who we'll talk about in a minute, reported to a guy whose name I keep forgetting. It's something like Ike Palmenter or put, put I, I can't I, even remember. Yeah, I've uh, something because he was, was but he, he was, was involved constantly... in like Spider Man as well. He was like amongst different. Yeah, studios. you're thinking of Avi Arad. But we'll Sorry, come yes. Back to... Sorry, I've got a fun fact but, about him later but, on. But the point is, he was reporting to people who were constantly trying to drive costs down, whereas the taps have certainly been turned on a bit more these days but that that's a result of success as well i think the other thing that makes this film um feel like it's succeeding against the odds is and we must talk about um kevin feige before we get into the film um is the fact that robert downey jr is the lead now robert downey jr as late as 2003 couldn't get insurance to be appearing in films because he had a severe drug habit or historically had um and uh, Marvel Studios, when John Favreau mentioned his name, said absolutely not, um, and they had to be cons- they had to be convinced by a a screen test. Well, they've got a limited line of credit, albeit it runs into the hundreds of millions. But you know that's going to fund what two films really? When you think about you know bu- budgeting, marketing, and everything else, if jo- if he turns up on set, has a relapse, and um, you know fucks the film, Marvel Studios are fucked. So the very fact that this studio had enough independence to put Robert Downey Jr. of 10 years ago, well, 12 years ago, when you think when he would have been cast, into this film is something that arguably, had this started as a Disney line, they might not have risked. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's, it's a typical Hollywood thing where like they don't like to take chances, but... When you look at it, it makes absolute perfect sense to why you would cast Robert Downey Jr. in this role. Uh, largely because he he's really good casting. Uh, he kind of really puts himself in the role. I mean, there's very, there's very much a parallel. You always get a sense of part of this character of Tony Stark is actually him. So I think he's really related to the role. But also, everyone really loves a comeback. As much as like audiences like to see a guy fall... I like to see someone like sort of fall down and, and mock him and what have you. It's like a nasty side. They do like to see the guy who or woman or whoever 
come back, come back from there's, there's like, a much like Travolta with Paul Fitcher. It's like, oh shit, Travolta. He, he, he's doing so. look who's talking now. And now he's like in one of the coolest films in the year. He's, it's a, there's a meta narrative of uh, Tony Stark being on a redemption path here as well. Mm. Um, I mean, but yeah, everything about the theme of the film it just makes sense in terms of the power with what's going on with Danny Junior himself. Yeah, I agree. This could have been a very different film. There was talk. Let's say it was Universal. I, I don't need people to tell me we're wrong. In that I'm remember, just picking the studio. I remember Paramount when remember. I watched it, but I don't. Paramount I, I did a, a part of the deal was uh, Paramount were. Their deal was up with the Avengers to distribute. Hmm. Uh, I think may even have been Age of Ultron, but it was one. But Disney bought out the last couple, but allowed Paramount to keep the logo on it. Um, but yeah, Paramount were the distributing partner to the sort of new studio, if you like. Uh, Kevin Feige, two thousand and seven, uh, named as head of this studio, was going to be Avi Arad who we know from uh, producer credits on the Spider-Man films. Kevin Feige was 33 years of age, youngest studio head in, in decades, if not forever. Mm. Um, they put together sort of a, a brains trust of, of five or six people um, just to sort of uh, talk about keeping things close to the comics and getting the tone right. On that were people like Brian Michael Bendis, who's best known for probably uh, his work on Spider-Man. Although he's just moved to DC, actually. And he's working on Superman comics at the moment. But um, there was him. There was... Oh, I, I can't even remember without looking. But there were um, a there was a period of time where they um, had Avi, uh, Kevin around a group of people to keep him in check. That's not the case now. Uh, there's, two of, there's two people working with him. Luis Espinito, I think. And I can't remember the other name. But I will in future weeks because it will become relevant in future weeks. Uh, but he now reports direct to Disney. And it's fair to say he's barely made a misstep in 10 years. Yeah, he's pretty much got a good record, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, um, phase one is an interesting one because a couple of these films look a little cheap. This film's got relatively little action in it when you actually really think about it. Yeah. And um, also, um, there were a lot of problems with actors through this, people getting recast when I think they thought they were more important than they were. It, it's now become the state, a bit like Star Wars. The, the brand is, the the, 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 the the property is the brand, is the name, is the draw. Um, it isn't about big actors. So obviously we see Terrence Howard tonight, we never see him again. Uh, next week we're going to see Edward Norton, who is very, very respected in Hollywood and never saw him again thereafter. I think um, Marvel were a mixture of cheap, but also we, they are a producer-led series where you fit in with the overall vision or, or you leave. Yeah, I think they sort of like started as a means to go on because obviously they were taking chances so they couldn't risk blowing a, a budget on something that not, not, that wouldn't necessarily work. Um, mm. And I think they've kind of carried that, particularly when they have so many lead actors. Uh, it's hard to... I mean, there is a bit bit of a awkwardness when you, when they make exceptions for, say, Downey Jr., who didn't like to start the franchise. You could just say, argue that they had to do it. But... They were yeah. careful where they spent their money. Yeah. You know, next week we're going to talk about it a lot more because Ed Norton got himself very involved in the creative process. I think thought he was a, a big, important lead to what was happening, 
and they replaced him without thinking about it. Now we're going to I'm going to read you some quotes next week about what Kevin Feige said, what what Ken, Kevin, what Norton said at the time, what he said a couple of years ago, you know, a bit later on. Um and Marvel arguably didn't get their PR right to, to start with because certainly by 2009-2010, well even 2011 I started thinking of them as of, as quite a parsimonious mean-natured studio. And that's certainly not the case now. But I do remember Kevin Smith saying he bumped into Samuel L. Jackson, who we'll talk about a lot in future weeks, backstage at um, Comic-Con one year. And he said something to him about Marvel and looking forward to the Avengers or whatever it was. And Samuel L. Jackson said, no, man, Marvel really don't pay, i.e. they were very, very cheap at one stage. Robert Downey Jr. being the obvious exception, and we'll get to it. This has kind of really yeah. brought him back, really, hasn't it, in terms of his career? Um, um, yes, well, not career, but, but it kind of it has an imparts, but I think it's kind of it's he definitely he can't he can't look at his comeback and discount his involvement in the Marvel series. You can't, though. I think the first film where I really thought he's back, and I don't think he's going to give anyone any more trouble would be the Shane Black film Kiss Kiss Bang Bang from 2005. Of course, yes. He, yes. he did a few things before that, like The Singing Detective and, and other things, but they were small little curios that arguably didn't do that well. But Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, for anyone listening, I'm not... We're, we're going to talk about this when we get to Iron Man 3, because that's a Shane Black film. Hmm. Chris is a big Shane Black fan, and I'm a bit not so sure. I'm a bit yeah. on the fence about him. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is brilliant. Might even be his That's a really film. good film. I must say, I'm not a fan, um, but I really love that film. <laughs> It's really oh, good. It's great. It's really great. And you've also got a very drunk uh, Michelle Monaghan wandering around in some Christmas <laughs> stuff half naked. It's lovely. What, what's not to love? <laughs> what's not to love? But it's him and Val Kilmer and they're both brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, um, and, you, and you play the game with like, uh, celebrity lookalikes. <laughs> so first, I, I think I'll just start with um, possibly before we get into sort of first thoughts on the film itself, um, my reaction to it when it came out, my sort of hype for it. Um, Marvel have consistently been ever since this very good at trailers and they were here as well uh, there was even despite Iron Man being like a C-list character at best there was some hype around this we were all looking forward to it lots of shots of, of Downey in the cave and with the arc reactor in his chest and yeah, stuff I, like that I think it was a buzz of like Downey's back and like yeah. oh well, we, we, we need to watch and plus also it's like a new comic book character that we've not seen and there's a little bit of there's there's there was you can't deny that Downey has a massive amount of energy in this film like he just has a or something like he's almost like a new screen charisma it's like yo jesus christ um yeah this film would not have been as good with anyone else i i say that unreservedly yeah it, it it does sort of live and die by his hands um and and that's not to knock the the film as a whole because i think the film is actually really good but um it, yeah it does all sort of rest on his shoulders but you know, I, I don't think I, I like tom cruise a lot and one day we'll do like mission impossible and stuff yeah. i like him a lot but I, I can't picture a tom cruise version of this film being as good well if it was if it was going to be tom cruise i would have thought it would be like earlier it would, would have been maybe late 90s early early 2000s so maybe when it would have suited him a bit more it would have been a completely different iron man yeah, absolutely. But um, do, yeah, what do you guys remember of when this film came out and your anticipation for it and that sort of thing, Becca? 
Do you remember so, looking forward to it? or? I think I was probably looking forward to Quantum more than anything in 2008. Um, yeah, no, but that came out in November and this was May. You this was in the summer, of, exactly. I think for me, Quantum of Solace was like the main event. Um, other films in 2008, let me have a little look. The Dark Knight. Yeah, obviously The Dark Knight, definitely. I don't think what else came the out. The Dark Knight <laughs> was the one I was getting excited. Now, I'm a Bond fan, but I, despite wanting Bond films every two years... There was trouble at the mill with Quantum to start because they, they announced it for like May, and yeah, that, that sounded ridiculous. Back, 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 and then it got pushed back, and then there was the writer strike, and I thought this is going to be a fucking this disaster. Is, yeah, this is not um, going to go down. The well. Dark Knight was the film I was like, that's the one I want. That's yeah. I think that's the film everyone had in their minds for the Dark Knight. Um, yeah. But I think what, if you can think about when this film coming out, that that there was like a, a hype and almost like a oh this is kind of like a a fun appetizer till we get to the Dark Knight. You know, this was like kind of like the the pre um, early yeah. summer film. And I was and I was more excited for the Hulk because I really like the Hulk and I've yeah. always wanted them to get it going properly and yeah, self sustaining. Well, apart from like in this series, also they tried with several actors before and TV series in the 70s and I grew up on TV series. I loved um, it. Yeah, exactly. But like in, in all of the Marvel universe so far, obviously there've been two failed. Not failed, but they've tried to kickstart the Hulk series. Obviously, now we've got a different actor in, in the role, but they, there hasn't been like a Hulk like origin film of its own. Mm. You know, to, we to used properly, to, you know, inside the MCU. We used to it now as well, but this came out May the second, and I've always remembered that. Funnily enough, when I did change our date to a date of birth a couple of weeks ago, I um, oh, I, 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 I didn't have to look it up. I knew it was May the second. I, I just always remembered that, and and it, and it was it was the start of summer getting earlier. It was like, oh, there's a, Chris is right. It was like a little sort of warm up. Summer hadn't really started. I mean, now we're used to it, but like May the second, it was like, wow, they're they're putting it close enough to the summer that they're expecting it to do well, but not right in the summer. So, yeah, this will just be a warm up before the Dark Knight. And I think it was just like a, a, a nice sort of hype of like, oh, Downey's back, and there's like something like interesting going on, like. Oh, you know, he's back and he's really great in this and you know it's like he seems to be sort of you know happy and you know not like on not not in this down spiral that he used to be in so there is like a I think that was the main selling point for the film largely was Downey and everything he said I mean the, the guy has played the press wonderfully since all of this in that he knows how lucky he is. He doesn't go into interviews and talk about his recovery and his sobriety. He doesn't do that he, he actually it, you know, it, it's unspoken Make unless no, it's brought up. Make no. <laughs> oh, that, that pissed me off. And we'll talk, that was, um, I think that was around Age of Ultron. We'll talk about that in future weeks if we think about it. Because he did the same thing with uh, well, Tarantino, didn't he? Did the same thing with Tarantino. And on the one hand, it's easy to say, well, they're paid millions, they should answer these questions. But I thought it was shit stirring from a fucking idiot, to be honest. In well, both cases, because in both cases, the interview subjects gave them the hint that like come on this well, is not quite frankly if, going. like they are and it wasn't basically like it was like the news like interviewing for a movie and i was thinking what the fuck is like channel 4 news inter- like, that's the point like because tarantino yeah well that's the point chris because tarantino said but this is an advert for my movie yeah. Because he's there at a junket. He's expecting, you know, he, he'll have had like Total Film, Empire, C- Collider, 
fucking uh, b- birth movies, death, or whatever it's pre forerunners or were. Like, all the big uh, websites and uh, bloggers. Yeah, and that, all of those would have gone in, and then suddenly Channel Four News is there talking about violence. It's like, hang on a minute, we got about six minutes. What are you doing? <laughs> because it's a junket. Now, I, I don't think, I don't think in either case he asked anything criminally awful, but I just think in both cases he failed to read the mood. Yeah, I mean, if, so, so, if it was a sit down like yeah. thirty minute an hour like That's, interview, if, if it was Charlie Rose, bad name to mention with what's gone on with him, but had it been that or back in the day like uh, um, that a film kind of thing, you special know, like... with Barry Norman, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we've talked about the link. What do you think? You expiring depth. He was looking for a soundbite in a six minute interview, and in both cases, and the thing that impressed me with Tarantino is Tarantino very politely said, well, he went to answer and then he thought about it and said. I don't want to answer that, actually, mm. because I've done 20 years of talking about it. And he was pushed on it more. And actually, after he exploded and said what he said, he went back to the interview, was asked a sensible question and answered it so professionally. And it's like he did his job, but he was just it was just failing to read the mood in that both of them, you know, they started going on about Downey being a better person. It's, it's a junket for a, a team up movie. It's just not the place. I didn't mean to talk about that now, but yeah, Downey, generally speaking, doesn't sit talking about his sobriety and stuff, but he's very, very professional and he's very keen. And I do recommend anyone follow his Twitter feed because it's good fun. He's constantly like poking fun at the other Avengers and shit like that. They're all good fun, actually. Chris Evans, Tom Holland. You can tell they're all kind of mates, aren't they? I mean, they're obviously formed, obviously been going for 10 years now, but they obviously know each other and they're good friends off screen too. Well, the original Avengers all have a matching tattoo, don't they? They, they mm. designed between them. They design themselves, yeah. yeah. Now that's um, really cool. But yeah, let's go with first thoughts on this film. Um, I will still rank this very, very high. Now, what was the most impressive thing to me was that I, I wasn't damaged by the fact that I've seen where this has all gone. It was surprisingly easy to go back and watch the sort of tentative beginnings. And, you know... I was looking at the running time of this film. The running time of this film is is about two hours and five, two hours and six, something like that. He doesn't start designing the Mark II armor, which is the first thing that looks like proper Iron Man, if you like, the silver version, until about 54 minutes into the film. And he goes through all that between then and about an hour and four. And I didn't even notice the first hour of the film had given me so much quality story that it didn't bother me. And when I look back on it, the only action sequences are really him leaving the cave, him having a little fly around, but that's not really an action. That's more of a sort of discovering your powers kind of thing. Um, the return to Golmira, and then the not so good action sequence with the Ironmonger at the end. It's mm. a surprisingly small film, but it's got real heart and it's got it, it's got a man with a real arc with a real quality performance and, reactor. Yeah, yeah well he's got two arc three arcs then because he's got this big arc reactor, this <laughs> arc reactor and his character arc. It, 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 it knows where to focus like it I, it does i i i, I mean um what what i say, I say is i think it's very it it's it's a really easy watch really easy watch uh, Flies and and, that, and that sounds that sounds like almost like a uh, like a, a light praise, but I, I think yeah, there, is, there, there is a, I think there is something to be has to say when something is just so easily watchable, no matter no matter how simple the story is or 
or, or, or what it is. You know, if it's. I, I don't know I, where I'm going to rank it, but there's only one film that isn't a team up. And I have my own problems with the team ups that we'll get to. But in terms of films that focus on one major character, um, there's only one film I'm absolutely certain will finish ahead of Iron Man. Unless I have a terrible viewing with this time. 22 films into a series. Well, not 22 at this point. 19 at this point, because we haven't had Ant-Man and the Wasp as we start. But 19 films into this series, with all the different characters and all the different focuses, and everything deliberately being a ramping up, everything getting bigger budgets than this, comparatively speaking, um, I still think this is going to be very, very high up the list. And I think, actually, had the world ended in like 2009 and 2010, this would have been in the top four or five comic book movies ever made. It is up there almost with a... It hasn't got quite the heart of, but it's almost up there with a Superman the movie, you know, and a Batman Begins and a Dark Knight. And there aren't many others. There aren't many others that's in the same league. It's it's kind of analogous in some ways to like the first Spider-Man film in that it's it's a very traditional comic book origin film in a lot of ways but it's all the better for having a middle-aged man uh, in the lead of it someone who's a little bit older than i am now at this point although the character might be younger i'm not sure but certainly a man in his 40s and or thereabouts anyway and he's got life experience on him it, it isn't some kid who suddenly finds he can do all these cool things it's a guy who's bringing his life experience to bear to try to correct his mistakes and I find that fascinating. And even fairly cartoonish characters in it, like uh, Obadiah Stane, in the hands of Jeff Bridges, don't come off that way until the very end of the film. In some respects, in quality terms, I would liken it very much to something like Wonder Woman, in that it has two phenomenal acts and then a poor third act. But I think this is a terrific film. Yeah, I, I think it's really well... It's really well paced. Like, as, as you said, uh, when it's... Um... Well, you know, he's actually in the suit like about halfway through the film, um, but it, it the film starts off kind of like kind of slow. You take your time with the with the character, and you kind of like you, you establish why you care, who he is, and and what it, what and what his story is going to be. And then, as the as the as things escalate, the pace picks up. By the time you get to the, like the third act, it you know it, it is it is moving at a rapid pace, and it doesn't feel like oh my god they're rushing this it just feels natural it feels it, i think it's very well structured out which i think is to its credit I could. oh yeah no I, I had a really good time with this film um i think I, back in 2008 like watching this obviously i was i was kind of you know i've heard of the character but sadly i hadn't read the comics um but you could tell this was something special you could tell this was this is a series is just going to run and run and run and run and run and here we are 10 years later, I'm still enjoying it many billions of dollars later on. Um, no, I had a really good time with this film. Um, to be fair, I've not seen it since its release. Um, there are other Marvel films I've gone back to over this one. Um, but I, I kind of, my, my neglect, I felt really guilty. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a really good film. It's, it's balanced. Um, and I was kind of sort of reading some information about it, and they really did struggle. Obviously, they wanted to keep this as, as grounded as possible. Um, much of the of the later Marvel films have become like more fantastical, if that's the word, more fantastic. Um, but this one is quite grounded in reality, in like the arms trade, for example. Um, 
obviously there's kind of a lot of sci-fi and, and other fantasy elements come into it as well. But um, they had a you know hard time finding somebody finding somebody who would who had kind of opposed Stark in this way, and obviously it ended up being, as we know, um, as ex business partner, uh, which I think is, is quite a smart move because um, you you wouldn't you know it really struggled to find the character or somebody quite smart, definitely on an intellectual level, as Stark as well. It's, it's the right move for this particular story, because this story is about someone who is who is someone who's essentially been chasing his demons, and now he now is, in a way, starting to confront them. And a lot exactly, of, it's, a yeah, lot, it's a bit of Donny Jr.'s personal history as well, isn't it, really? And a lot of that is to do with, like, um, you know, Stark Industries, like, oh, well, like, you know, you know, I've, I've, I've something, you know, Stark and you should be doing, be doing stuff that I actually wasn't aware of, so uh, I'm accountable. And it, it, it turns out, like, you know, Obadiah would be the perfect villain for that, for that particular film because it is, it is essentially he's like what well, he's like one of his demons that he just didn't know. It's like one of the things he's like ignored willfully. And uh, yeah, I think it's. Um, I, 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 I don't think the film would work if you'd introduce like another super powered villain. Just like randomly, uh, I, th- I think the a film works best with that. Um, it's because Jeff Bridges is anyway. Uh, but yeah, go on, carry on, Becca. Oh no, no, I was, yeah, I was literally just you know going to say the same. Really, I sorry, think I took the words out of your mouth. I do apologise. Yeah, me. pretty much. Like, he's he's the right person for for this film at the time, um, and it's it's kind of it's kind of a shame he didn't come back for for the next film. Um, <laughs> yeah, after being blown up from... after being destroyed. Well, he, he originally, you know, they were going to kind of he was going to survive the battle at the end, and they were going to crack open the outfit, and and you know, oh my god, he's being remote controlled or something, you know, to find that they, there was just actually an empty hole inside inside the suit, um, and he was going to come back in the sequel, but obviously that didn't happen. But now after that, I think they decided to just epically destroy him up. Um, I think, but, it, I mean, I think know, Jeff Bridges is a fantastic actor anyway, so I think you know he's as you say, Chris, is the perfect choice for this film. Sorry, Dave. I, I think it's very. Um, it does have that origin story flaw that often happens that you spend the first hour or so uh, on the hero's journey to become the hero, and then you cram in, try and cram a full superhero movie into the last hour. It's not quite that, but I didn't give a shit. But I thought Jeff Bridges always adds something, and so it adds to Tony's story that you've got kind of his father's generation there, and how much he can quite be in charge with one of his father's trusted lieutenants is interesting. But the whole Ironmonger thing, I, I didn't really give a shit. So the fact he never came back, as great as Jeff Bridges is, didn't bother me. What I think is one of the positives about the way this universe has gone is that had they just owned Iron Man and decided they would have tried to stretch it out to like four to six films and it just would have been the next villain of the week each time. We've got a little bit of that with Iron Man 2 um, in a couple of weeks' time, but by Iron Man 3, it's being informed by the events of the Avengers, so he's got post-traumatic stress disorder and stuff like that. Well, if the Avengers hadn't been there, Iron Man 3 would have necessitated being a different film, and they probably just would have grabbed another sort of canon Iron Man villain, possibly the Mandarin that would have been the real one and been more front and centre. But that kind of wasn't what the film was about. So that's very interesting in that the, the whole run of the films are very different. I, Captain America doesn't work as a self-contained trilogy, kind of, because it's all in, informed by the films that come between them. 
which means that when you plan for Captain America 2, it's not the film that it would have been had you not had the Avengers in between and Iron Man 3 and so on. So that makes the universe kind of more interesting in its way. But I was never unhappy we didn't get to see Jeff Bridges again. I would love to see him again, but I don't think there was much further to go with that character. Plus, it's no. nice. It's not. It's nice when a death means you, you're dead. You know, it's not like oh, I'll bring everyone back. You know. It's well, like... also, if you look at the themes, he was there as a personification of the evil side of Tony's company. Mm. So it was. It was the personification of the evil Tony had to rid of his own company and his own past. Mm. Once you've done that, he's served his purpose. And that's one of the problems we got next week with Whiplash, because it just feels like oh, a couple of weeks' time with Whiplash, because I don't feel the same sense of purpose there, even though they did try and tie it in. So it, he's perfect for this film, and he's perfect for the amount of screen time they they can give him, in that you don't just have some random villain showing up and then you've got to show why it matters. He's entrenched within Stark Industries. So his story is being told at the same time, effectively, as the whole Tony story is being told. So it's not so much trying to drop in a, a self-contained superhero movie in the second hour, but it does have a little bit of that. It does have a little bit of that. Anyway, shall we discuss this film sequentially? Yeah, go for it. And why not? <laughs> we like start. Barry Norman. <laughs> I don't think we... he ever said that, but never mind. Did not. Oh, that's a shame. I don't think he did. I think it was. No, um... it was like a misquote. So was it the spitting image thing? No, it was um, Rory Bremner because he kept saying, "And why not?" And then people would go were going up to Barry Norman in the street and saying, "And why, why not? not?" and laughing. And well, he that, that was the title of his autobiography, wasn't it? And then it? he found, yeah, which I read, and then he tells this story in there, and then he found out that it was a Rory Bremner sketch. And then he either met Rory Bremner somewhere, or Rory Bremner sent him a Christmas card, and he said something like, next time get your own catchphrase, or write your own catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, get your own catchphrase. It was, was purely it. Rory Bremner continually saying, and why not, why while not? he was playing him. Um, we start in the desert, Afghanistan. Uh, he's with the army ready to demonstrate a new missile. And it's just several things. Firstly, the music. We start with sort of 70s rock. What's the song? It's not ACC, is, it, is it? Yeah, is it Back in Black? Yeah, it could be. I we're can't very, we're very um, obviously a film called Iron Man. It has a very metal score. But yeah. Have a weed. It's the fact you do your own reviews as well. If we say something funny and then you say in case anyone wasn't sure. <laughs> um, yeah, um, but yeah, nice little bit of sort of character work here very quickly. He's drinking. Well, historically, the Tony Stark character has a drink problem anyway. Mm. Um, well, this wasn't, um, I'll, I'll call him RDJ, um, not to be confused with another actor with similar initials. Um, didn't... Oh. He wasn't like teetotal, was he? Because I knew he was like off drinking drugs and the rest of it. And didn't he go teetotal for a while? Mm. He probably was, but that, that, that won't be scotch he was drinking, obviously. Be cold. Well, no, clearly not. But he, he is drinking juice. it now. But Apple they're also juice. talking to him about, did, did he fuck all the sort of like calendar girls from a certain calendar the previous <laughs> year? And he says he missed out one, but the December was twins. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't um, me. So yeah, he's there to he's there to demonstrate the Jericho, which is the new sort of Stark Industries um, missile, basically. 
Hmm. Um, I can't remember whether we do we see the Jericho demonstration. It, it does before it, the flashback it, or afterwards. It, 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 I think I think we do start off like in the um, just in the va- in the, in the truck. Because yeah, we, but it's. We see, we see all truck, that afterwards when he, when when we see him. Right, like, so the truck is exploded first, and then we get the flashback. Yeah, we we we, we introduce him in the in the in the uh, in the truck with the soldiers, and then it gets okay, it gets attacks. That's right. Yeah. So it blows up, and the next thing we see, we flash back to a couple of days earlier, and he is at some award ceremony, and what I love about it is because like he's effectively a rock star as a public persona which lends itself to really easy um, exposition. Because you can do a basically behind the music, can't you? Yeah, like... That's what this plays like. It's, but it's, it's behind the music. It's just got a little kind of... He was born, you know, he was born there, grew up there, went there. It was his father's company. His, far, his parent tragedy hit as his parents died. Obadiah Stain runs the company at 21. Stark takes over, and you've got pictures of of Robert Downey Jr. at that age because he's been a famous actor since his teens, and uh, you know probably magazine it, covers he did back in the did day. It did seem like a magazine cover for, for every issue part of his life. <laughs> like, I know. I I, I, kind of, I did I could kind of think of a little bit of Zoolander while watching it. His balls have dropped. Special. <laughs> <laughs> War pages thirteen to twenty six. Yeah, I know. But it was a behind the music, yeah. and he's not, he's not there, and so Obadiah has to go up and collect it, and says he's working, and he's gambling, and it plays yeah. the nineteen sixties kind of um, uh, Iron Man theme over him doing that, and there's journalists around at the event as he leaves, he's asked, you know, uh, he, well he's talked to by a fit blonde, and all I could think of because this was badly copied in Green Lantern, Green Lantern so desperately wanted to be DC's version of this film. You remember when he screwed some pretty lady at the start of the film and he's like, there's water in the tap? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, uh, it was a copy of this film. The, the, she goes up to him and says, you know, people call you the merchant of death or the Da Vinci of our times. And it's like, absolutely ridiculous. I don't paint. Yeah. How many hours do you sleep? I'd be willing to lose a few for you. <laughs> <laughs> he's just gliding through life. He's a genius, mm. but he's, he just says what he wants. He's also a bit like... of a James Bond style character, isn't he? As well, he's womanising, he's drinking. He no, he's, 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 he's a bit more flippant. But he's just more, like, yeah, no, way he's, more, he's got more kind of bond, with, you know, without the ego and well, inflicted ego and all the rest of it. Definitely, it's a different so, kind like a of. Boy. It's like a guy who's literally not taking life seriously at all. Whereas no. Bond probably no reason to. He's inherited wealth and he is a genius, so he's just been able to propagate that wealth without mm. trying too hard. Exactly. And without thinking about it, without thinking about what it is they're doing. Yeah, um, the impact. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. He, he, I mean, he's not he's not a complete idiot. I mean, he does have like, like an an idea when combated with the idea that like, oh, well, what you what you do, you're basically a mass murderer. He has some justification in terms of what else his company does, you know. But you know, obviously, you know, he doesn't know everything that's happening behind his back. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so the next thing is he's back at his. Uh, it, it, uh, that was interesting. I saw the special features to this film are pretty good. No commentary, but the whole design and the whole development process of the film is followed, and they showed lots of potential artwork for his house, and eventually it was effectively driven by the casting of Downey. Where would Downey's take on this character live? 
Mm. Um, and so we see him back at his sort of Malibu house, uh, waking up with, well, she's waking up in the morning, he's not there. Yeah. He's like working away in the thing and gets, uh, we get introduced to Pepper Potts. Um, now, I think uh, it tells me I mean, you lose track of time because I think, well, how long How long was Gwyneth Paltrow really famous? Is she still really famous? How big is she now? I remember being surprised when I saw her. Like, she hadn't been in anything for a while. No, she hadn't done very much, has she? Um, Not but, for a up, while. Up until, up until this point, point, no. She'd done a lot, but she but, hadn't done yeah. anything more in the early no, decade. I mean, she'd be, she will have been working, but I'm looking and I'm thinking, well, famous films... Uh, if you think about it, she's not really been in that much. That much. I mean, she won an Oscar for um, Shakespeare in Love, and yeah. she was in Seven. Yeah. Other than that, what she, what famous stuff has she actually been? Well, in Shakespeare in Love. That year, that year, she did a Perfect Murder, which is basically the dial in for re, uh, for murder. Yeah, no, yeah, but no one remembers that. Isn't bad. Yeah, but no one um, remembers that though. Yeah, but hang on a minute. Followed by the talented Mr. Ripley. People remember ah. that. Yeah, remember that from Matt Damon. Matt Damon Jude Moore. Not that was such a good film. Yeah, all right. A couple of years later, the Royal Tenenbaums. Mm. Um, and she's... Was like with Anderson or not? That was 2001. She had a cameo no. for the following year. Uh, then she was in Sylvia the following year. Then Sky Captain the following year. That was and a good film. Four years between... Sky Captain was shit, Becca. Are you sure? No, it looked really good. The look of it... No, the, the plot was awful. Yeah, but, but you could have just shown really me... It looked really good. It looked really just... stylish. You could just show me a few still pictures then. It'd be like, yeah, I got the gist. <laughs> it looked and it, gorgeous. I so nearly walked out. It was terrible. Ugh, um, it, awful, it looked amazing. Yeah. But there isn't, there, you know, it's a few, it's patchy. So when she turned up in Iron Man, I was a bit surprised. And she really I, do, I was just sort of thinking, but that's the much like the main, the main cast. Fast forward 10 years later, they don't look much different. To be honest, like they they don't appear to have aged very much. I mean, like they're they're quite lucky. Obviously, they've all the good genes. Um, but I mean, you know, even if you look look at um, oh god, can't remember his name. Okay, cut there and it'll come to me. He plays Captain America. Chris Evans. Chris Evans. That was. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Mister. Don't forget your toothbrush. Oh yeah, that's it. I remember that in future. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, even if you look at like Chris Evans, Captain America, for example, you can yeah. tell like a little bit, you know, he does age a little bit, but like, I'm pretty sure like, Robert Downey doesn't look like that much different, or Chris Paltrow, she literally hasn't aged. Oh my god, it's just amazing. I want so to know just, what a secret it, is. It's more of that like banging Chris Martin, that's what it's, that's what it's down to. <laughs> Clearly. Well, she doesn't eat anything and she, you know. She's got, yeah, she's, oh, yeah, she, her, she's she, got a weird uh, relationship with water. Uh, and, she steams yeah. her, and she steams her vagina. Oh, that's that's a secret. Then clearly, <laughs> I, I don't really want to know her secret. Is, is, that, the, is, the, is that the fountain of youth? Then just she puts, it, she, well, she puts it out as like medical advice. That's the thing. It's just like it's quite irresponsible. That goop fucking sight she's got. But anyway, oh my God. Um, yeah, I mean, she said weird yeah. stuff like you know, water has like emotions and shit like that. Yeah, it doesn't, Gwyneth, on it. <laughs> like, yeah, um, it, and, and if it does, I, I forget exactly what it is, but it's along those lines. Well, it's it, that's a level of scientific knowledge we don't have yet. So you're guessing. If you're right, that's a fucking fluke. Uh, but I like this. It's really it, it's efficient storytelling. We see we see that he's in some trouble. Then we get a flashback that tells us everything we need to know. He drinks a lot. He's a genius. He's he's inherited wealth, but he's been able to propagate it from his early twenties through his own genius. He sleeps around. He lives in a wonderful place in Malibu. 
Gwyneth, he hires Gwyneth Paltrow, which is, who, you know, who basically sort of like is like a, yeah, like a surrogate. But he's basically yeah. assistant, but almost like a, a mother slash partner figure to him. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and she's always like basically sort of like Cleaning she's up picking up his pieces because he's too busy. Like yeah. he, he's basically a workaholic, isn't he? It's, he's either like partying hard or playing hard. He's not sleeping. He's Gustav yeah. Graves. Yeah, he is. He's Gustav Graves. <laughs> Why waste on sleep? Plenty, yeah, plenty of time. Yeah, why was it on sleep? Sneer. Yeah. Um, so, so you can't kill have... my dreams, Bond. But dreams my dreams can kill you. Can kill you. <laughs> then we meet Rhodey as well. Right. Uh, Rhodey is Terence Howard in this film. We'll talk about why. Yeah, Terence Howard. This time. couple of weeks' time, we'll explain why there's a recast. We won't bother now. But it's Terence Howard at the moment. He is. We find out later in the film. I think he's ahead of. He's basically. I can't remember the title they give him, but later in the film, his title is given. Get me the head of, and it's something like, like entertainment. Uh, new systems or something like that. So his job is largely to liaise with Stark as an outside contractor because he's he's selling them all the new tech. It's his responsibility to like hire it and integrate it into like the army mm. or the air force. Yeah, or it's like the army liaison basically. Yeah, or is it the air force? Whatever it is. Force, yeah. Um, and so we see him and he's winding it's him up. Awful when he goes next time, baby, and it's like wow. Later on, yeah. You ain't good next time. Not yeah. for you. Not, Not for you, you, but somebody else. Yeah. Anyway, mm. spoiler alert. The less you read up on Terence Howard, the happier you'll be, trust me. Um, it's not a nice story. No, it's not. Um, so he, we then go back to background to where we were at the start of the film. It's blown up, the convoy they're in, and he is ambushed and kind of taken hostage by the next thing you see he's in one of those we've seen them all over the years those sort of pictures of western hostages on their knees with guns at mm. their head no great video sort of thing we've seen it over the years with ken bigley and people like that will not make light of this scene at all even though this is entertainment but it's a video there for the west to say we've got this guy it's uh, the five rings as well isn't it ten rings ten um, ring, sorry uh, yes. The theory at the time that it was when they were going to go on and have like a universe here, that the Ten Rings were going to be very key in it, but I don't think they ever really became that. Um, so he's captured with another guy called Yinsen. When Stark wakes up, he's basically wired up from a, a car battery to his heart hmm. because a load of shrapnel's gone into his heart. So he's built like an electromagnetic thing to put in his chest to suck the shrapnel away from his heart. Um, and he's told that he has to build a Jericho missile for the group. They've seen this missile. They think Stark is the genius behind it all and can build them one. And they said they'll let him go if he does, which he says openly to Yinsen, no, they won't. Well, you know, of course, of course they won't. They'll either, like, make him make another one or kill him. Yeah. So in the interim, he is building, and this, this is... um. It's genius. Like what I like about Marvel is they put something in that feels small, and then expand it over the years. So, for example, over the years, the amount of damage and hits and speed Iron Man can be not sort of hit at has increased just slowly. So now, when Iron Man falls out of the sky for thousands of feet, mm. it's not an issue. The arc reactor. It's not painted as a big thing till later in the film. He just has to build this little thing to keep himself alive mm. and not be wired up to a battery. And it's made almost out of like, well, I have to do it. It's out of desperation. 
Yeah. But this is something we find out later is it, all the geniuses in this company ra- can't replicate with an unlimited budget. Mm. They can only build it at something the size of like the ground floor of a house. They haven't been able to do that, which is quite interesting. He's built that arc reactor to power something, and we don't really know what immediately. But it turns out that he's kind of aware of where the CCTV on the cave is, mm. and he's being very judicious with where he stands and what he lets everyone see. They think he's building a missile. He's building a suit. Yeah, because he want he's his plan is to basically sort of you know fight his way out of there. Yes, and uh, increasingly getting getting time limit. You know they they suspect that he's not making the missile, so they kind of threaten. Uh... They tell, yeah, they tell him they've got. He's, he's yeah, they threaten Yinsen and he says, "I need him, good assistant." Mm. And then eventually they tell him they've got twenty four hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like this, and I'm not quite sure. Maybe you can explain better why why I like it. I'm not quite sure if I can put it into words. I think it's the iterations of the suit. It's that we don't have the film tell us he's a genius and then slowly see him build towards an Iron Man suit. It's a, is see... it the slow build up of like oh he's like the Tin Man? It's like okay, this is looks like something he made in a cave, and it's more of a more made out of like a scrambling bit. What if you could find together? Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 and, a bit it's a bit more of a fight for your life almost like you know it's like guy literally coming it comes like, more out of his need to survive really doesn't yeah. it but how to like not you know be hooked up to a battery all the time it's it's more, yeah literally more than oh he's you know he's this rich wealthy powerful genius and he just builds the suit various situations of the suit it's literally his need to survive so because he isn't confident I am at this point either so he's like uh, he's yeah he doesn't just, know he's going to work does it no is he's he? you know and and and, and, it, and it's rickety it's not always. You know, it, it it doesn't. It's not exactly bulletproof. You know, like he he gets caught and in between rocks of the with, with his arm and, and and stuff. And you know, it's you know, it it isn't perfect, but it's just something that he just could have just barged through and just get the hell out of there. Yeah, because like, his main kind of power is sort of like is the um that like flame throwers. Yeah. And also kind of like a propellant system as well. But it's just like you can see like how how crude it is. I mean, it's still you know very quite effective in what he needs it to do but as you say it's kind of it's incremental his development of it I think the, the funny thing the funny little reference that's stuck in my mind when I watch this is is Yinsen actually saves his buys them some time mm. because they've got to power this suit up it is sort of linked up to this fairly basic computer they've got mm. when he said about all the way through, he's been talking about getting home to his family. Yeah, I'll see my family after after this. Do you know what it made me think of? It made me think of John Candy in Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Where all the way through the film, he wants to get home to his wife. And at the end, you find out that she was dead anyway. And he's just going through the motions every year. Yeah. Yinsen, we find out, it just wants to get home to his family. And at the end, at the end, when he says about getting him to his family, he says they're already dead. This is always the plan. He like he already decided that he was gonna die. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I which, found that which, which is kind of yeah, because it gives Stark like a. It, I would say humanise him, but it humbles him to a degree. Like, like here's this guy who's had everything taken away from him, and he wants, and he's willing to sort of give the one thing he's got a his life, just to save me. 
that's no. kind of like wow i think it drives a lot of the rest of the film and the film isn't too on the nose about telling us that yeah. that he now owes that man something it's almost like a yeah. it, it does it is almost a life debt yeah from then on that like I, you gave your life to me i have to do better and it isn't just... its No one's saying he can't drink and shag around, but that, that's not his primary mission now. That I find yeah. very interesting. I've always liked that. I've always liked the instant stuff. And you could take that character out of this and it would still work. I mean, it wouldn't work as well because he needs someone to talk to. It, it, it does add a nice little heart to it, a nice little emotion beat. And Because he's quite a warm character. When, you know, as, soon as, he, as soon as he's introduced, you are instantly taken to him. I think so, yeah, absolutely. I really like that. So the action sequence of him getting out, what did we make of this? Yeah, I thought it was very decent. I mean, I, I do. if I was to be negative about any part of the film, or the, the film in general, is, and I think it's the reason why it probably is forgot, not forgotten about, but kind of like not thought of as well as like the, say, the, the, the other, like the Avengers films and Captain America's and what, and, Guardians, what have you, is as good as I think the film is, there's not like a, a standout moment where you go, wow. There's not like but a... Golmeria would be the closest, but when you rewatch it, there's not a lot to that. Yeah. Uh, so, it, you know, it, it's just a very sort of well-crafted, very easy watch um, But then film. it's not an, it's not an action film. The, yeah. action, the action is just there to punctuate the story. Well, if he's going to be Iron Man, I think so. I think it's too well. Depends on the type of film, of course, but it works. It serves the material here. Now, it might be a coincidence because they didn't have comparatively a lot of money for, and the main character is going to be largely CG every time he's in action, Mm. Um, and that eats money. Um, But I think it works really well. And I just like the fact that there's an awkward tootness to it. The character's really, really heavy. The special features show you some of the doubles trying to walk in that suit. And, you know, Downey did a bit as well. As, and he said, you know, you can handle it. He said, it isn't too bad. He said, but you do half an hour. He said, and the next day, you just feel completely spaced out. You, you weren't aware it had taken that degree of a toll on you. But, like, he takes up... There's a lot of fire and a lot of bullets. So there's, I think it sells peril particularly as his eyes have got, and mouth and that, have got gaps in it. Um, And when he takes off, he goes up maybe 100 yards in the air, and then the whole thing starts cutting out. Mm. You know, so I I think it's it's deliberately a little bit awkward and a little bit chaotic. Yeah, it's very risky. Like, for first, for kind of, you know, that kind of very initial, well, very early on iteration of it. It's going to be. It's not going to be perfect, is it? But as you say, no. it's deliberately kind of like chaotic, difficult to control, very difficult to fly. Obviously, you can't get very high in it. Too heavy. Um, well, well, well yeah, yeah, it's just like scrambled together in a cave with whatever yeah. you find. So, and so a lot of it in it with time constraints. So it would be. It's not a critique. I think what I'm trying to say yeah. is this, this: the film sells us both the genius of what he's created and its very, very real limitations. Yeah. Trial and error. But definitely, definitely, yeah. You know, the first out, first out of the gate, it's not going to be perfect, even for a genius like Stark. Absolutely. Um, and then what? So he gets a, he, yeah, he basically crashes. The suit kind of falls apart around him. Um, and then the next thing we see, he's sort of getting home, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's kind of walking along, and and uh, a, an army helicopter comes. There's some 
yeah, there's some damage on him. He's got like a dislocated shoulder or something like that. He's in a sling. They fly him home. The first thing he wants is uh, a bit of product placement. <laughs> oh, yeah, an all-American <laughs> burger. Yeah. To be burger. fair, though, you do sort of like see that. Think, oh, you know, what, I fancy a fucking burger. I did want one after. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> you know, when you think John Favreau made Chef, yeah, which had all that wonderful food, food, food in it, and I love Chef, by the way. And yet, probably the most I've ever wanted any film food in a film was that burger. <laughs> like, um, yeah, just a bit of burger, which we all know is fucking overrated anyway. But, like, but like the... It's, it's not even, like, like, like really sort of well shown. It's just sort of... It's just there no, casually. He's, just got it, he's got it grabbed in his fist. I don't know why we... Maybe it's because we... I think possibly we almost feel the dehydration of the character. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, the very fact he's just got some sustenance is like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so we're we, like, we, oh, we'd be similar. Well. Like, had, we, had we been, like, gone through, like, a really traumatic time, like, halfway halfway in, in, in a dangerous part of the world, we'd probably, like, oh, just give me, you know, you know what I really love? Just some fucking junk food shit. Just, just yeah. you know, just give it to me. Because yeah. I've been aching for this sort of stuff. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you're not fussed about fine dining. You're fussed about give me something quick. And also, like, I mean, I'm a vegetarian now, but I, I know the only time I ever crave meat is when I'm, like, tired or run down. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I, I don't think my body needs it, but I think my, my brain trips my body into thinking I need it. Yeah. Because you associate, like, meat with um, iron and protein and, you know, sustenance. So I think all of those things play into your mind when you're like watching this. I don't know why we spent that long talking about a burger we don't even fucking see, Chris. <laughs> yeah. um, but he he wants to go straight to a uh, press conference, doesn't he? Mm. The press are there waiting for him, and he's immediately burger first. But yeah. they're trying to like yeah, but they're trying to like hold him off, and he goes straight in, sits down, which again is the film allowing us to see that he's a little bit hurt and injured and tired and everything else. Yeah, but you know, you know what I thought? Was, I, I don't know if it was like. Um... The character doing it deliberately, or whether, but or it's just the way the film did. But it makes everyone sits down, and then he goes to make a point. He stands up, and everyone's still sitting down. I don't know. I never really thought about that. I know. There's just only, like, oh, yeah, that's there's only one that's thing about, There's only one thing I did notice about the choreography of the crowd, and it was at the compress conference later, which I'll mm. talk about then. Um, in fact, I'll mention it now. At the end of the film, when he drops that bomb, um, on that bombshell. Well, it isn't a spoiler, yeah, actually. It isn't a spoiler, because the whole Marvel Universe is largely based on there's no hidden... Uh, there's no alter egos. And I actually thought they fucked this film up when they did that at the end. But anyway, um, he announces he is Iron Man, and all of them jumped to their feet, except the journalist he slept with. She stayed resolutely in her seat. But, um... I didn't, I, just, I didn't notice that. No, I only noticed it this time. Because she asked the question, and... Uh, she sits looking resolutely unimpressed while the rest of them leap up. But um, he announces that they're uh, stopping weapons already. Talks a little bit about his father. Um, as bad as Iron Man 2 can be in places, I quite like his father's stuff. And I always like Tony father stuff. And we'll come back to that in future weeks. But he yes, says that's a very interesting character as well. And we also have to discuss Agent Carter too. Definitely. Yeah, we'll talk about that through all the Captain America films, or certainly the first two. Um... 
he announces that you know, he talks about his father and he never got to say goodbye. That does sound like rambling, which actually sells when they kind of say, well, he's not of his right mind. It's like, well, yeah, he did, did ramble a bit, to be fair. But he announces immediately they're stopping making weapons. And immediately he's wrestled away. And Obadiah's like, well, we, what we should take from this is Tony's back. Mm. And <laughs> all this kind of shit. And you can see Obadiah's immediately like, oh, shit. Damage control, that, damage control. That is, their, yeah. uh, that is their immediate kind of, that's the fast bulk of their money, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and we what? see, and we see like sort of like the, them crazy stock market shows. Who you're like, like just that that yeah. place he plays to Looney Tunes. It's just like, oh fucking hell. Yeah, it was kind of like uh, it was kind of like the stock market version of like an Alex Jones show or something. Smashing cups, Stark Industries, it's yeah. hell, and all this kind of shit. But um, it, it's basically George Clooney in Money Monster. I've not seen that. Oh, it it's good? on Netflix, actually. I think. Is it? Yeah, it's a good film. It's quite short as well. Is it? Yeah. All right, okay. That up, man. Like an hour and a half or something. It's really good. He immediately sort of... So he's kind of shut out of his own business, not not officially till later, when we told there's an injunction, but he's kind of working from home, isn't he? Um, and he starts basically doing this... We, we meet Jarvis for the first time, Paul Bettany. Yeah, well, we'll hear him. Well, we hear him. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all there is to interact with actually because mm. he's just he's a computer program just a rather very intelligent system what's that film called while well, you're at it money matters money what money monster money monster got it i think isn't That's... it um directed by jodie foster jodie foster yeah why have i never heard of this film it's only two years ago i don't know Do you... and it's got george Clooney. yeah all it. right yeah I, that's on the list you're right i've stuck it to my list now cool i'll get to that it's got good ratings as well. Excellent. All right. Mm. Um, yeah. All right. Um, have you seen? Just on the side note, have you seen the Beaver? The other film she did. That's the Mel Gibson film. Yeah, I have. I didn't see that on grounds of it starring Mel Gibson. It, it's worth seeing just because it's. Oh, grow up! Just because he's a racist wife beater. There's anything. <laughs> anything with you people. I mean, that's basically describes half people in Hollywood anyway. So like. <laughs> It sounds really cheesy. So we can't discriminate now. Actually, that was like his. That was like uh, Jodie Foster was a long-time friend, and that was. Oh yeah, no, that's fine. I might check it out actually. Give him a chance after now that now that the dust has settled. Yeah, but anyway, um, so he starts. He's clearly sort of. He says he wants to keep it. He doesn't trust his company. He's aware of something. He couldn't put it into words, but he wants to keep it on a private server. This like you know new venture he's got and it is him sort of starting to design a suit yeah it's like uh, so he, he's basically sort of decided right I'm going to change the company in a new direction not sure what that is but I'm going to need time to figure it out and he's kind of like you know we got a lot of people like sort of slagging off or the the rest of the sort of shells of the company are a bit worried obviously because it's like thinking what the fuck are we going to sell uh, it's a public company of, yeah. as well. I mean, the very fact it's on a stock market show means that mm. um, you don't, you can't. In, in in defense of Obadiah, now he's not defensible with, with what we find out. But even had he been a perfectly decent human being, he would have a point because you're supposed to announce these things to the fucking stock market first. You're not supposed to just say at a press conference we're completely changing. You can tank your company. Mm. So uh, that wasn't the way to do it. 
although you can totally understand with what's just happened to him. And he's actually seen all these weapons. He was in Golmira. Yeah. He sees all these weapons. He saw one like explode in his face. Well, it's just, it, it, the naivety was is he thought he was selling it to like the right people, mm. and of course there's a black market for it all, and not even a black market because it's being sold by his company to people it shouldn't be. But the fact is, once it's out there, it's like nukes. Once it's out there, you're never quite sure who it's going to. So I understand that. And he's building basically a new suit. And there's a lot of humour in this, isn't it? Him sort of... I mean, the one bit that surprised me is I always said, like, the hits Tony is able to take have been ramped up. Mm. But when he first tries tries the thrusters on 10% and they throw him against the back wall, that would break every bone in your fucking body, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's so many scenes. I'm surprised how he survives, really, to be honest. Funny though, I, I, just, I just think it's amazing. And again, but, it's, I know it's a film, but you know, it's it's Marvel treating the um, extraordinary as quite ordinary, so you just accept it. Yeah. He's talking to like robots, like they've got feelings. Sure. Like the the the, the little robots holding like the fire extinguishers mm-hmm. that keep squirting him. When he tells them off, they look hurt. Yeah. <laughs> And you don't question it because Marvel have just presented it as just no, that's that's well, what it is. Well, it, it's a lighter touch. It's, it's not like the Dark Knight. If it was in the Dark Knight, you think, oh fuck's sake, this just doesn't. Well, work. I know it's tone specific, but it's still set that has yeah. to set that tone, doesn't it? Yeah. So I'm really impressed by that, and and really the next few minutes is him building it, isn't it? What becomes the Mark II, which is kind yeah. of the armor we know, but kind of chromy and very rivety. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, so we, does that where he goes for a flight? Um, we, I think, don't we see Pepper change his uh, arc reactor in the interim? He's built another one now. He's at home with his stuff. Oh, yeah. That scene where she's got a reach inside his chest, which obviously must be CG, and I always thought that was really well done. Um, and he keeps he keeps everything to himself. Um, what else? Yeah, there he goes for a flight. And John Favreau talked a lot about uh, making that as joyous as possible. And I think he nailed it. The the music and the flight is extraordinary. He's a little bit awkward, but reasonably in control. And the music's good, I think. Mm. Yeah, and, the score as well. And he gets introduced to the icing problem. And of course, yeah, the, <laughs> ice, the icing problem, but it's also Tony. It's like, let's have a go. There's, yeah. there's risk in this, but there's yeah, risk. Yeah, let's see how far you can push it. <laughs> yeah, he's doing far, far more with it than he's supposed to be. You know, he crashes into the fucking street at one stage. But I love all that. That's really good. Uh, then what? Do we go straight to that party? Uh, I tr- try, I'm trying to remember now. I mean, th- which party is that? Is that the... No, um, do, do, don't we get, like... Uh, don't Pepper Potts like, make something out of the old one after he said trash it? The old... Um... Yeah, 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 she makes a little gift of it, proof that Tony Stark has a heart. Yeah, but he, they go out to this part. Well, he's he's there, sort of working on probably what becomes the phase three, um, the Mark three, hmm. and he sees he's got entertainment news on in his workshop, and there's like a Stark Industries party, and he's not even been invited. So he goes to that. Pepper's there, and they have a very strong flirty scene. There's quite good chemistry between these two. There's yeah, really I chemistry that. between them. I, I do, they are very believable as a couple. Yeah, I mean, it's not incendiary. It's not one of the great chemistries, but it's there. I, I believe that they have a regard for each other and a sexual tension. And then I think the journalist he slept with at the start of the film turns up and actually shows him photos. 
of Golmira, and she's he's like, when were these taken? And it was like, you know, that day or within a few days. Oh yes, and of course, something. yeah. And he believes that he thought his company had stopped selling weapons, and he goes out to talk to Obadiah, and Obadiah had said to him, Obadiah had already warned him, they're going to raise an injunction and lock you out of the company, and he admits that he did it. He locked him out for his own good. Um, and whilst he was at the Snidely party... Snidely doing it while sort of posing for a picture. So I like that, though. That's really good. And while he was at the party, there was like a six-hour rendering process for um, the Mark III armour. He's left it being built. So he goes straight back and basically jumps into the Mark III. Which yeah. is the iron, which is the Iron Man suit for this film, basically. Yeah, because he, he goes on a race. He sees the, the like news reports of like of the you know, refugees in trouble yes. over there, and it's just like well, it you know, no, no, no one's going to be doing something. And it's like it, it is very cliche. Like who will step in now? And <laughs> Yinsen was from Golmira. He mentions it earlier. So again, it's this old holding, yeah. holding. You know that he owes this guy a debt because he helped him get out. And helped him develop, well, not develop this tech, but certainly help him build build the mm. forerunners of this tech. So he flies to Golmira, which again, I think there's some cut scenes around this because I don't think it was meant to be a straightforward one flight from the United States. But it doesn't matter. He flies to Golmira, um, and this is kind of probably the best action series of the sequence of the film. There's not much to it, really, is there? Uh, no, I mean, he, he does it. It does what what you need it to do at the time emotionally. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like you know, you see, you see, like the the people who kidnapped him, and they're like basically sort of murdering families and separating them, and and do it, taking them as prisoners or whatever. And well, he walks a fine line here as well, um, John Favreau. In yeah. that, again, we could have gone the Star Trek Generations route or whichever one it was, where like a kid drops a toy. Yeah. Actually, when kids are separated from their parents here, it actually feels kind of traumatic. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel like cheap manipulation. It is. They're people we've not met, but it's actually really well handled. Yeah, well, it's not like a teddy bear dropped on the floor. It's like, well, you know, it's a father about to be murdered. And then a yeah. son trying to run into his arms and thinking, fucking hell, the kids, that kid might get executed now as well. You know, and this, the, the, all these kind of thoughts. So you think, Jesus Christ, this is fucking... Yeah. Does this kind of go with this film? <laughs> I know he only just he only just lands in time, doesn't he? Yeah. And really, it's an awful lot of like repulsors where yeah. you see him like pushing people back with the repulsors that come out of his hands. Mm. That's all been trailed by what we what we've, we've seen him do. We've seen him cock all this up in his or, or work out the kinks in his workshop where he sort of used it and blown himself backwards mm. and things like that. Um, targeted little sort of rockets on his um, shoulders that kind of can pick out which is which because the interface has got Jarvis in it so it's there's proper AI on all this kit. Uh, blows up a tank, blows up all his kit. That's probably gets the best the part, part I felt like in terms of um, like what you say like you know in, in terms of like the moment the film that's like in the trailer you know when he gets shot down by, by a tank just yeah. casually gets up Fires, he just steps aside, misses him, just fires like it's like rocket that just sounds like a pellet, just yeah. blows it up. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really good. And again, it it, it is a cliche in the you know the walking away from an explosion and not looking at it, but it's done really well. Oh, cool guys, walk away. From I know, <laughs> it's done really really well though. Uh, but the big part, the memorable part of this is him flying home. He's on his way home. Yeah, and he's spotted in the region by like 
army intelligence or air force intelligence, whichever it is. Aircraft. Unidentified bogey. Get us the head of like product development or whatever it's called, which is Rody. Rody calls Stark and says, "Have you got anything in the area?" And Stark's out of breath because <laughs> he's in the suit, <laughs> which I love. Then he says he's driving. Then he says, he's, no, he's I'm jogging." I thought you were driving. Yeah, I was driving on the way to. Yeah. Yeah, the gym. Well, whatever. Yeah. Um. And it's uh, it's me. It's me. I'm the bogey. <laughs> it's he's a hanging suit. off. He's hanging on the bottom of the plane, sort of land. Uh, you know, yeah. Millennium Falcon on the sort of Star Destroyer style. And the, basically, the sequence is them trying to kill him and him trying to stay alive. He saves one of the guys who has to... He's blown back through the wing of, of one of them at a point, then has to save the guy who kind of ejects. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah it's, it's, it's a good scene. It's a good scene. Um, so where do you go so, to now? Well, I guess, I guess that the next time we've... The next must be... I don't know if there's anything in between. But I know the Ten Rings of Gav find the suit. And well, they, find, they find a mask. That's like, well, they right, find, well, no, they, managed to piece, <laughs> they managed to piece together most of it in the end. Yeah. And then they get, um, Obadiah goes to see them. Oh, that pesky Obadiah, yeah. And then he's got this little gadget that kind of paralyzes you for yeah. 15 minutes. Um, which, I, which I really like as a. As a backup yeah. weapon. He's taken the suit to basically reverse engineer one. Hmm. That's what he's doing. So he's taken the seats. He he's kills the Ten Rings, basically. And so we know he is guilty. I think Tony sees some footage of himself with them talking. And they, he gets it translated. And it's clear it's Obadiah as well, isn't it? Hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, no. Uh, Pepper th- finds that. Sorry, Pepper. He sends Pepper in because hmm. Pepper can get into the company and he can't. She sends him into his office and she she finds and downloads that footage. Mm. And so they now know it's stained. At the same time, Shield, Phil Coulson turns up from Shield and kind of almost escorts her out of the building. Doesn't know she's in any trouble, but they walk and talk and get him get out of there. Yeah, Phil Coulson for that time film has been constantly pestering Pepper Potts for like... Yeah, he announces himself as being from, well, he's a strategic homeland. I forget what Shield yeah. even stands for now. Uh, whatever it is, it's... Uh, and it's, it? it's like, oh, that's a bit of a mouthful, or you need to get a better name for that. Yeah. I, I think it uh, I think it was Intervention Enforcement and Logistics, I think. Mm. Yeah, she took home now. Yeah. Just looking it up now, and it's had various over the years. But um, that was that gets worse in Iron Man 2. It's all right at this stage. You just think, why does this guy keep turning up? But um, There's a very got, big reason why. He's got Stark Industries working on trying to duplicate this arc reactor. And when Tony came home, he saw the one in Tony's chest. So he knows it exists, and they can't do it. So he ends up going to Tony's house, paralysing him and taking it, doesn't he? Mm. And at the same time, he's built this massive suit, which looks a bit like the Mark I, but it's much, much bigger. The Iron Man looks a bit like a cross between Mark I and the Iron Giant. Pretty much. I think it's just, all, you know, it's... Whereas Tony Stark, Tony Stark is like sort of like sleek he's just all just like no just destruction and just like smash type stuff but yeah no he uh he basically is like well i can't make it i'll just finally just fucking take tony's and 
Yeah. That's that. So they've now got proof it's Stain. Pots and Shields tried to go and get Stain, mm. but he's in the armour. Tony is basically left paralysed and dying on his um, sofa because we found out earlier when Pepper removed the original arc reactor that when it's removed, if it isn't replaced immediately, you go into cardiac arrest. Mm. He manages to uh, crawl down into his um, workshop where she's got that present, which is the original arc reactor, proof that Tony Stark has a heart. So he puts that one in, but he's going to be overpowered. And really, I'm not going to have an awful lot more to say about I, the, the film from Steve I do, I do really like that touch, though. The fact that something that he said, I'll oh, just throw it away. She's it's all set a... up and payoff. Yeah. It, this is a very, very tight script. Very, very I think that's the thing I really like about it, though. It's just, it, you yeah. know, it's, it's it's something that I call a perfect movie. Not necessarily mean like, oh, it's like five stars all the way. But yeah. it it is tight. It's... It do, you know, it, it's fought out. It doesn't sort of waste everything's any got scenes. A, everything's got a point. Yeah, Is it, I can't think of a scene which which I thought, well, that could have been cut out. Mm. Or and I'm looking at the screenwriters and what they've done, and the only thing from the two writing teams that's really any good on film wise is Children of Men. Apart from that, most of their stuff's fairly undistinguished. But uh, this is film. sorry. Children of Men is a good film. Yeah, but there's not an there's awful good, lot there that's no. very distinguished. Is all there's a very, um, very good so book tight. too. I recommend the read. I never thought about it till I watched it this time. That how tight the script to this is. Everything has a point. Everything is set up and pay off. Yeah, there's no, there's either, no bagginess to it. It's either driving the plot or it's developing character at all times. You know, in that state, in that sense, it, it's like you know, it's getting on for Back to the Future quality. Mm. Um, and that will be reflected when I come to rank it because there isn't. There's very few films in this series that are this tight. Uh, over two hours as well. Really crams a lot in. Doesn't give us anything we don't need. Um, I guess the next thing now is the Iron Man versus the Ironmonger. Yeah, pretty much. Like Pepper Potts basically gets in peril, and uh, yeah, you, you basically yeah, she's a little your... bit woman in peril, isn't she? Well, you know. It's, not, it's to be expected. Mm, don't like the third act of this film very much. It, it does go a bit like, downhill. I, I did. I think in terms of like a sort of nemesis. When I, I say it's tight, I am talking about the first two acts because the third act is just give us a perfunctory action sequence. Well, yeah, this is it. Yeah, you got to do it. I would, to be fair, you do have to have these these end sequences. As much, you know, I mean, you you can make a point that okay, they could be more original with how they do it. Um, or make or make the action scene just a stand really knockout action scene. The um, problem is at this stage, you put them both in their uniforms, close their sort of helmets, so it's just two CGI sprites fighting each other. And mm-hmm. in some respects, Obadiah's like an uncle to him, you know, a surrogate father figure. I think we needed to see the whites of their eyes an awful lot more, which doesn't fit in an Iron Man film. And in fact, in future weeks, it doesn't matter as much. But I just think with this particular relationship, so, so not only do you shut them in their armour, but their armours are massively mismatched. So in some respects, the Ironmonger's got a similar problem to Ang Lee's Hulk in that it was so much bigger than human beings that you couldn't relate the two almost, mm. whereas you can with like the Ruffalo Hulk and the Norton Hulk. Um, there's a bit of that to it. it it's just... And the action's not that good. And also... Stain turns into a just a complete cackling fuckwit. 
I mean, earlier in the film, he had a point. It was a bad point, and he was evil, and he was trying to kill people. But it was all about this company and what he was trying to do with it. Now he's throwing cars full of people at Tony. And it's almost like, mwahaha. It's like, what are you doing? This is not consistent with your character. Could be. I mean, you could throw the argument the fact that, you know, he ha- now he has this certain power, he's just gone to his head. And now he's just basically... Maybe. I don't hate it, but yeah. it's the weakest bit of the film by a distance. Yeah, I mean... And again, I it's, got that right. first film, it's got that first film syndrome as well, but again, it's comparatively cheaper than the rest. So, you know, if this had had, like, I don't know, some of the quality of the action from later in the series, you know, later in the Marvel series where they really threw money at it, then maybe they would have made something of it. But it's two people fighting yeah, in like I, I, a I, relatively I, underpopulated street. I think you're right. Um, maybe a bit more imagination would have gone to it, but in terms of like, you know, two animated people fight, you know, fight out, I, I can't see how you can not do that to a degree. It's, you know, it's it's how these things go. It's I can't see how you. Yeah. You know, John if, John Favreau's great at if, people. If, 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 if he did it as like Tony and. And uh, and staying, you know, going going like having a fist fight in in not in a suit. That would be a bit like, hang on, what? Yeah, make it like the Thomas Crown affair. Let them have an erotic game of chess. <laughs> <laughs> I just think you know you can see. I mean, at this point, he'd done. I think he'd done Zathura at this point, but John Favreau hadn't done a lot. I think he may have. No, he didn't. Doug Lyman, Doug Lyman directed Swingers, but he did direct Made. Mm. I'm not seeing um, Made. It's okay. Like it's, not, a, it's like a it's, spirit animal sing to um, swing. Yeah, thing. it is. It's, it's not as good as swing as so. um, but it's all right. It's pretty decent. And he done Zathura, but no one really knew what kind of director he is. And all these years on, I'm still not sure because he no, did. No, he's got quite eclectic CV, hasn't he? Well, he did. I he turned into many genres, which is similar to this, obviously. And then mm-hmm. he did Cowboys and Aliens, which was a great idea. It didn't really work out that well, but. I, I like, enjoyed Daniel ble- Craig in that film. Bless them for having. That's all that. I can say about it. The actors were good. The acting was good. The actors were good in it. But anyway, but then he went and did like he did. Then he did Chef, which was a little sort of sweet-hearted. Amazing. Film. I don't watch it if you're hungry. Uh, Chef is on Netflix. Yeah, it's a really good. It's film. on British Netflix it. anyway, and I unreservedly adore it. It may have been one of my favourite films of that year. Couple it was, of people, it was a really surprised it. I wasn't expecting to like it. A couple, oh, couple of people I know on Twitter don't like it. Um, I think Ian Nesbitt thinks it's very, very twee. Didn't like it at all. And, and I respect that, but I genuinely, unreservedly love it. But it's all about interaction between people, and there's a lightness and sweetness to it. Um, that's it the does one make thing. you want to go out and just cook stuff. Just like, it really yeah, does. I'll say, don't watch it when I'm, you're hungry. I, I imagine he did a fair bit of it himself, but there would have been a hand double for some of it to do some of the close in cooking. And this is like a world class chef. Mm. And you see him cooking. You actually do see him at work. And it's great and it's lovely and it makes you hungry. Um, but it's very sweet. It's a, it's a father son story and a bit of a love story as well. And that, the DNA of, of that is, is in this or vice versa. Yeah, in the, a man rediscovering himself. Yeah, I mean, he's just great at people with people, people talking to people. And it isn't that he can't do action. I'm not saying that at all. There's some pretty good action in Iron Man 2 for all its faults, and this isn't too bad. But that's where his talent lays. It doesn't surprise me that I thought for a minute he directed Swingers. He didn't. It was Doug Lyman. But that's very much in his wheelhouse. I can see him doing it. Mm. 
Um, so the end of this film is, is less interesting. But you know, you've you've got to have you've got to give him something to overcome as the Iron Man character, and you do have to sort of get this bogey out of his company so he can pursue more altruistic means, I guess. Mm. So it all makes sense in theory, but in practice, I don't really like it that much. Yeah, it's a common thing. I mean, a lot of people don't generally like the third act of these things. It's a common complaint. It's it's just something that I just I just can't see any escape from. It's like, well, I it's can't... the origin. It's a problem of an origin. It's yeah, a it's of... like you know. It also it's 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 an audience expectation as well. It's like audience expect like uh, a big fight up at the end. You know, so it, if you don't do that, people are going to walk away disappointed. But I admit it could be quite. It probably could have done better, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, never had the same problems with it as some people, but like that's the weakest bit of Batman Begins as well, hmm. where you take this really literate, intelligent film full of great themes, and for, at the twenty minutes at the end is like, oh, I suppose we better give everyone an action sequence. Um, uh, it's going to be a repeating problem through Marvel because an awful lot of these films I think are amazing until the last twenty minutes, and they just become, oh yeah, whatever. Well, a quite um, common thing was like, oh, well, just let's destroy another city. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that's particularly good when we get to some of the films later where there is a real personal connection and the villains have been built up over time mm-hmm. and they're not really villains anyway. It'd be quite obvious what film I'm talking about, but I won't spoil it here. Where there's real heart in that final battle because it means something. Here it should mean something because Obadiah means something to him. But they've, they've styled him a little bit comedy villain in his look. And, of course, most of Tony's journey has been by himself after Yinsen. Occasionally, Pepper walks into the room. And when he was in the cave, Yinsen was there. But him and Obadiah necessarily haven't been able to spend very much time together. So this slaying of a father figure doesn't carry the same weight. It does in character development, but it doesn't one-on-one when they're opposite each other. Do you know what I mean? Like Batman Begins, when it's Ducard in front of him, we've seen them spend time together and it meant more. But... Yeah. It's still uh, that's not to knock the film. I think it's outstanding. So it finishes off with a big arc reaction. Mm. Yeah. So basically, he falls into the big thing and explodes, and 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 then yeah, there's a big uh, press conference. He has to explain himself. And uh, she'll give him a cover story, which is all about being on some fucking yacht or something. Mm. And say so it was a bodyguard, but actually no, he decides to reveal all. Well, we don't know that till he goes out because he does start following the script to start with, and yeah, then there's a. I'm not, I'm not the, the hero type. The, clearly, the, the, the no. Bit, the bit I love is, and it's so only Downey could have delivered this line like it, and I, do, yeah. I, won't, get, I won't get the line right, but it, it's roughly he says something like, and of course I, I, about being a superhero, and it goes even though that would be outlandish and. Um, fantastic <laughs> it's just the way he says that it's just like you can just tell he's fighting the urge and then he looks up and he went the truth is and there's a long pause and he says i am I'm yeah he looks at the car yeah. There, was, yeah there was a sense of fuck it and it shows how little i knew because it didn't ruin the film because i thought as a self-contained film that's genius but i thought they've just fucked up their universe I just Actually, thought just, because everyone knows who he is now, that's not going to work, is it? Wasn't it in the comics? That was it was something to do with that was the that was the excuse that he gave, and then like I think was it in the early two thousands, he kind of sort of revealed his identity or something. But like typically as a hero, he would always they would always keep their identity a secret, or they would have like a dual identity. I just thought you've you've basically so it's quite, it's quite refreshing. Well, I thought basically you've put a funny line on the end of your film, 
you've John Favreau being John Favreau, and you haven't thought about what comes next. And of course they had, and I was completely wrong. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know quite whether Tony Stark was always known to the public as Iron Man, or or, or when I don't, I really don't know the history. Or no, at the time, it did feel like a nice little, nice little way to punchy way to end the film. And yeah. to, to divert expectations. That's what I mean, though, to end this film. But it, it kind of felt true to the character as well. It did feel like a kind of like, yeah, you know what? But you've still got to think about what do you do next. Yeah. That's all. Oh, yeah, we yeah. know what they did next. I'm sat here complaining, like, how are they going to figure that out? We know they figured it out and it wasn't a problem. But, at, but I, in, I had no in 2008, what I just thought. Happen next, though. It could have been I, 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 th- I just thought, I just remember thinking, I love that. I genuinely love that. I think that just fucked themselves up. It was a bit like the end of Spectre. It was like, well, I didn't love the end of Spectre, but it was a bit like that. It's like, well, that's lovely to end this film, but you've got to make another one. What do you do now, you twats? Yeah. You know, we'll still work out whether Bond has shit, shit the bed or not, yeah? yeah? But certainly here, I thought it was a great way to end the film. And of course, they all leap up desperate with questions, and she stays resolutely stuck to her seat. And then yeah, long run of credits. To uh, Iron Man by Black Sabbath. By yes. Black Sabbath, which is great. I love That's an epic tune. Very cool, I love it. <laughs> I always remember, <laughs> I always remember um, uh, what's he called? Ozzy Osbourne being interviewed by Frank Skinner. Oh, God. And Frank Skinner said to him, he said, you know, when I was, in a, uh, when I was 18, I was in a band that used to play Sabotage. And Ozzy Osbourne said, funny enough, so was I. So was I. Oh, <laughs> um, well, yeah, you would be, wouldn't you? Um, well, this is it. This was meant to be an Easter egg at the end of the film. He goes home, puts the lights on. Nick Fury is stood there. Well, first of all, in the ultimate um, line of comics from the early 2000s, Nick Fury was retconned, or not retconned, but that universe's Nick Fury looked like Samuel L. Jackson. He was designed to look like Samuel L. Jackson rather yeah. than rather than either the blonde version or the Hoff. Um, so that was a, they thought... <laughs> well, this is, that's a Patreon episode you can do. You could definitely ask us to do some of the TV Marvel films if you want. Um, yeah, so they, they, did, they, cast, they, they offered him the part to cast him as the role because the comic book looked like him, but the comic book was designed to look like him in the first place. And he just says to him, you're not the only superhero in the world. You know, you, you, you just don't know it yet. And I, I'm here to discuss the Avenger initiative, which didn't mean anything to me at the time. Because like I say, Justice League was a lot more well-known, I'd mm. suggest, if you weren't a Marvel Comics fan. That's not the case now, obviously. Now, there was like, at, at the time, there was a little bit of like, okay, well, wait and see. Because yeah. there, there was an element of like, you know, we're just unsure how this will come about i mean we didn't really well i didn't really entirely believe it till they actually had the press announcement and they had the you know the cast with Josh which Whedon. was after iron man 2 because yeah. iron man 2 came out in like may 2010 comic-con is normally june or july in fact we're in july now and comic-con yeah. happens, hasn't happened this year so it must be july i think i get comic-con's dates mixed up with glastonbury or something yeah Com- comic-con's july so we're coming up to it again now. So a couple of months after Iron Man 2, they got them all together and announced it. 
And Iron Man 2 has got tons of flaws of that I thought would devil them through the whole series because it's full of like advertising the next film. And they did a bit too much of that in Phase 1, but Iron Man 2 is definitely the worst offender. Oh, God, yeah. um, I thought it was a terrible idea. I, I, we'll talk about it in future weeks. I never wanted team-ups. Now, I'm going to talk very highly of some of the team-ups with reservations. And when we rank them, I'm pretty sure some of the team-ups are going to be very high up the list. In fact, it could be very dominated by a lot of the team-ups. At the moment, but, I know which I one it. is going to be the number one spot for me. Yeah, I do too. I do too. But don't forget, by the time we rank, we'll have seen another three. So oh, it It's still going to be the number one spot. It's not going to change. I would be very surprised if mine wasn't as well. Um, without telling me, do you think it's the same film I'm putting top? Um, I don't know which film you're putting top, so... I'm going to type it for you. Oh, are you? Okay. I'm going to type it for you. My first, my number one is going to be, at the moment, that. Okay, let me read it. Hold on. No. That's not your top? Well, it's, it's in, in the top, but it's not my okay. top. Okay, no, I'd be interested. I was just interested. It might be the number two. Time. Okay, fair enough. Um... That, yeah, that's top at the moment, but there's three to go, so it, mm. it could change. They would have to be phenomenal. But um, but even then, when you look back on Marvel films, they change with time, because the film I think I'm going to put top, the impact of that film hasn't reverberated as much as I thought it would, would through the rest of the films and stuff. You know, I think, you know, so it, you really can't tell, and it's an ever-moving feast. But I, I didn't want team-ups. I thought this would be a disaster where, you know, you've got cheesy fucking exchanges and people coming in from other unit other other con not other continuities but almost other worlds if you like like you know the incredible hulk and all his heroes yeah and the, 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 the big concern was how could you like go from four to iron man how can you like yeah they would all be mismatched and and, and even on practical terms i thought well the score is going to be a fucking mess isn't it you know, you've got Iron Man as a score and then Thor, which is going to sound nothing like it. And then Captain America. Then you're going to shove them together and it's just going to be... They're all going to have their own little light, light motif, you know, cues and stuff. How's that even going to work? And it will look overstuffed. Now, there's some validity to that last argument. I certainly think some of these team-ups have been a touch overstuffed. But, um, yeah, it, it what was being put in train here, I dreaded. You know, I thought, well, I want to fire, fire, I want to follow Iron Man now. I want to follow him and see him fight, you know, the next villain and the next challenge in his own life. I don't want it, it to be diluted by coming back to him four films later and we've almost forgotten about him and stuff like that. Mm. And actually, it's not ended up working like that. Because like I say, Captain America had better sequels because they were informed by things that happened in between. And I think that's true of Iron Man. Iron Man 3 is a very non-traditional sequel. And it's because of the films that happened in between. If they had just done Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, Iron Man 3 would have been nothing like what we got. Yeah. Um, for good and Still would have been Favreau as well, wouldn't it? Presumably. Well, yeah, because they'd have taken a bit longer, whereas they tried to rush him and he was like, I, I can't do this. Because mm. I think he was already starting pre-production on Cowboys yeah. and Aliens and stuff like that. So they, they rushed him. And he's still a producer and he still acts in the film. I don't think there's any ill will. But he was like, I can't work like this. And we'll talk, talk about it in a couple of a couple of weeks' time because I, I do have problems with that film. They made mistakes. They made mistakes. They made most of them in the first phase. Some of the first phase films are great. The first film characters are great. 
but they made mistakes in trying to put this universe together. It was going to be one thing and then it changed and actors went and actors left and came back and plans and arcs they had for characters got dropped and they were a bit cheap on some of these films. I'm going to have real problems with Thor on some of that. Um, you know, by Iron Man 2, they're advertising the Avengers and I'm thinking, concentrate on this fucking film first, please. Yeah, they do you know, get ahead of themselves like a little bit. Uh, they've got the tone much better now. They have. They, they do tip the nod to future films, but they tend to keep it to post-credit sequences or just little Easter eggs and references and things that maybe pay off later. Um, as for this film, I think this is still one of the finest um, superhero films ever made. I think were it to be were it not for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it would be so much higher. And I think the funny thing is I'm a bit schizophrenic on the Marvel Universe in that I think most of the films are kind of averagey. They're kind of all right, most of them. They're always a good time. They're, they're very rarely bad. I've enjoyed most of them. I can count on the fingers of, well, it, I wouldn't need all my fingers on one hand to tell you the ones I'm not that fond of. Um, it's very good. But at the same time, the they have had enough major event films and enough films that really did surprise me that Iron Man has sort of slipped a little over the years that there's now a few films from this universe. I think that that took it on a bit further, but as a very traditional in some ways origin film goes, it's right up there. It's better than the first Spider-Man film. It's better than the first X-Men film. I think it's comparable to a Batman begins <clears throat> but it has a lightness of tone and a humour that Batman Begins would, would never have gone for, obviously, and appropriately would never have gone for. I think it's the most influential comic book film of all time. I think um, The Avengers is, is just, it was, was probably as important because they needed to prove they could physically team them up. They need to, needed to prove here are five to seven major leads in the same film. But in terms of setting the tone for what has followed and setting a timeline, a, a tone of success and a brand that the public have bought into, that these films vary so much more than people give it. Because I've read social media where people have said all Marvel films are the same. And I don't know what they're watching because there's different characters, there's different tone, there's different themes, there's different um, subgenres being employed, but they all have a similarity of tone, I will give you that, and that was set by this film, so absolutely historic I think when they say that, that, it's like a, it's, in terms of like a, of a basic structure, like a formula to an extent um, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure I actually agree, but I will find out doing no. this Yeah, there's a lot of cookie-cutter complaints about it. Oh, it's all very cookie-cutter and safe and Disney and and all that. Well, I I don't agree with that. I think when we get to Avengers 4, let's see how they solve some of the plot problems they've got to solve there. Because certainly, I think they do play it safe on things like death and stuff. And I'm not sure whether they're going to have the balls to make anything stick. If they do that, and I've certainly heard rumours of certain things... um, I've read sort of contradictory rumours, but I suspect one of them will be true. Um, then we'll see. But, you know, in 2008, The Dark Knight was the superhero film for the ages, the classic. That's probably true as a one-off film. But in terms of influence, this was the, the, the sleeper hit that would actually change the world. And all of the cocked-up attempts at, you know, shared universes i think even things like disney buying star wars and attempting to bring that back at a film a year and broaden it out all of these things owe something to marvel 
and as such it couldn't have existed without Iron Man so highest of high praise no totally agree really it was the um, the superhero film for that era um, I can't believe I'm also, you know, as amazed I am at the one series running for over 50 years I just think it's a you know in t- today's today's society today's climate it's still amazing that Marvel you know picked to you know after all its troubles that it went through you know picked 2008 is right okay this is this, this is the year that we're going to kick off the series and you know don't behold 10 years later the, the MCU has turned to this massive behemoth um it keeps pumping out hit after hit after hit after hit after hit um but no yes I think you know little did we know it would all kick off this, you know, this epic movie series um as I say and here we are 10 years later but yeah it was definitely the right film for for that era and hey we would not be here doing this podcast without it yeah I, I just figured out like 2008 was the same year as Mamma Mia <laughs> <I didn't, laughs> no idea Mamma Mia was that old well, uh, and 10 years later it's not as influenced it's not as influence influential as Mamma Mia obviously well, of course not, because you know. Yeah, we well, we have had yeah. Boston singing SOS. I mean, how fucking. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Oh God, bros! Oh Jesus! Well, I have to go see that as well. But yeah. yeah. yeah thing in the new Mamma Mia. Are they just going to sing the same songs, or are they going to? They're going to do some more songs, aren't they? More songs from Alice's back catalogue. Mm. Have they have they not overplayed the all the back catalogue? I'm. Well, I guess Becca will find out for us. Okay. Yeah. So I, <laughs> Thanks, Becca. I've got a friend of mine. I've not, got a friend of mine coming really... in our, not coming in summer review part two. <laughs> no. Maybe, yeah, no. Maybe, maybe, maybe we get Becca on. I'm not going to make it with a friend of mine. Maybe unless we get Becca on. Oh, God. Yeah. That, that, that's, <laughs> that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Yeah, she's too shy to do a podcast. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, 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 you know, I... Again, I I kind of echo the same sort of terms here with Iron Man. I am, yeah, I, I had the similar sort of feeling of like, yeah, every, every scene had its purpose, and I and that's one of the things I really appreciate about films is just tightness and efficiency, and it has a real charm and charisma about it, and it's a very easy watch. Certainly doesn't have a, like a big wow factor, um, understandably, but uh, there's a really nice element of charm, almost like a little bit of um. Rocketeer to it. I don't know if any of you guys. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I still haven't seen it. It's, uh, I'll get. I to gotta it. check it. It was on uh, Netflix, but it's, it's not, not anymore. I don't think, sadly. I've, I but you gotta check it out. But I haven't Tim got Burton as the villain in this. But every every. I can't play, it, but it's amazing. It, I wouldn't say every few episodes, but it has been brought up like a few times on podcast now, and I keep having to say, "I'm sorry, I still haven't seen it." I will do. Yeah, it's a really charming movie, but yeah, uh, but yeah, they, they, I but... think I think I know what I'd be getting with it, and I like the idea. When it came out, I didn't want to see it. I was about 13 at the time. Didn't want to see it. But now I think I'd enjoy it. But I haven't got to it yet. But yeah, uh, Iron Man. Uh, really, really decent film. I almost think it's almost like the almost almost forgotten to a degree. Because I think with all the other Avengers films, they kind of it kind of just kind of gets kind of pushed aside. Yeah, well, Iron Man started it all, but you know, we're up to this level. I think there's a little element of like, well, we don't really appreciate actually how good the first one actually is. Especially with Iron Man two, which may have tarnished it. Some some people say it's not that bad. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of fifty fifty on it, but um, we'll see. But yeah, jump. But yeah, I generally I really admiration for this film. Would um, you admire it more if you knew more about it? 
Well, I do lack a, a bit of... I do lack knowledge on it. I mean, I've seen it and reviewed it and everything. And... But... I don't feel I knew too much about it. I think it's a fortunate thing that we have a part of our format here where Becca educates us and makes us better people. <laughs> Becca! I don't know about that. Give us some, give us some marvellous facts. Oh! Pun central. Oh my god. Um, yeah, it's get kind of more yeah, interesting, uh, yeah, I guess, I'm, as they go on. <laughs> I make sure that because um, yeah. I don't want to end on, on a downy. <laughs> Damn it, I was just getting there. Damn it. Oh okay, fun fact number one. Avi Arad has two credits on the IMDb in this film as producer and executive producer. Fun fact number two. Hugh Jackman was originally offered the role of Tony Stark. Imagine that, Peter Stark and Wolverine. Legend. Has anyone... Uh, I was, was going to say, has anyone ever done that because Ryan Reynolds, you know, Green Lantern and... Green, yeah, yeah, definitely. So. Chris Evans, if you're talking about between oh, the two yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah, 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 Human Torch and... Yeah. And there, there are others as well. There's a few that have appeared in both. Hmm, it's cool. Um, not so fun. This is Stan Winston's last film. Oh, Thanos as well, you know. Um, oh, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, well, that was the other one I was thinking of. I think I couldn't think of the name. Yeah, Josh Brolin. Um, uh, two this year. Both both, yeah. both uh, sides of the fence this year. Uh, yeah, you, Stan Winston's last film, yeah. Um, he's in all the special features. Not so fun facts. Looking okay, so. reasonably well. I mean, um, he had, I think he had like a leukemia or something. Yeah, that's But it, he, he died in like the, the June or July and the film came out in May. So all the special features interviewing him are probably 2007 as they're filming because they used Stan Winston Studios for all the like models and animatronics. So the, yeah, the, the design of the outfit and all the rest of it was worked out with Stan Winston. Also, you mentioned this in the uh, review itself, but obviously, um, fun fact number four, near the end of the film, Stark tells Rhodey to keep the skies clear. Obviously, to which he replies, oh, next time, baby. He just takes yeah. a quick glance at the Silver Mark II, but sadly, the actor who follows him will get the chance to do this. Yeah, not Terence Howard. No, sadly not Terence Howard. Fun fact number five, my last fun fact of the evening, John Favreau chose ILM to provide the visual effects after watching Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End and Transformers. Now, well, I, I really... Those are two series which I'll... Well, I've seen the first couple of Transformers films, but I, I post on... on um, oh, God. For moral reasons, I won't go and see the rest of them. Um, but, like, the... the, the moral, um, reasons, moral reasons, what? Moral reasons. Why not? Of, just because they being shit. Hit it. <laughs> to be fair, the effects work ain't the problem, though. They look good. Yeah, precisely. This is what I'm mm. going to say about um, Pirates of the Caribbean. They, the first one is, <laughs> is, is good fun, but the rest of them are a little bit questionable. But the effects are absolutely stunning. Yeah. They look amazing. To be fair, with what we're going to get next week, where they use the smaller studio, use ILM. Because ILM currently make, you know, the Ruffalo Hulk, Hulk and do most of the work for them. Uh, okay. They use Rhythm and Hughes next week, and it's all the worse for it. They're okay, but I kind of think they weren't the right. I can't speak now. Sorry, they weren't the right. I can't, oh, fuck off! <laughs> I won't. I just they were a cheap. They were a cheap. I think the problem is they were a cheap company. Simple as that. Yeah, cut that bit. I, ILM, leave me dead. Uh, ILM, wetter. You know what you're getting. Um, again, you've you've still got to be on the pecking order because everyone. It's quality control, really, because everyone works on everything, and there's a lot of subcontracting and stuff going on, but. Um, if you compare ILM's work 
uh, to Rhythm and Hughes, then I think I'm quite happy that they stayed with them. And and that's our fun facts. Okay, social media, folks. Oh, okay, yeah, so you can find me at Cinematrox on Twitter, uh, and you can find all, all our old podcasts, which aren't on iTunes, because iTunes are a bunch of twats, you know, favouring other bigger podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let, let all the podcasts be in there, but uh, yeah, the, you still find all our old stuff at simtrackscode.uk. Um, should we uh, should we plug Patreon or should we do that later? Right, yeah, I'll, t- I'll you tell us where Patreon is, then I'll tell you where you can, you can find me, and we'll talk a little bit about. Yeah, Patreon. I think you can find it on Patreon. Uh, expect us to talk. Uh, if not, you can just Google it if you're unsure. But yeah, yeah. Um, we'll we put a link on, on our social media face pa- pages once we finalised it. Yes. Okay. Uh, you can find me at the Pasty Kid nineteen seventy six. Right, yes, Patreon. Um, we still haven't finalised this, but we talked. A li- we wanted to give you a bit more information, just simply because in the last episode we were talking about what ifs and maybes. This was on the Man with the Golden Gun commentary. We were talking about what we would or wouldn't charge, and we've had a little bit of feedback, and we've thought about um, offers we have been made. We have already been. We've got our first commission, and we won't announce it yet. But we've got our first commission for uh, the autumn. Um, uh, for a particular film at a certain rate, which we've accepted. So what we're going to say is um, a full review, i.e. the film, the special features, and a review like you've heard tonight will be $100 on Patreon. A commentary will be half that, 50 because all we've got to do is watch the film. We've still got to edit it and all the rest of it, but all we've got to do is find a copy then. It's priced slightly high because we don't want to do a lot of them. <coughs> Simple as that. If we said it was $10, we could be swamped with them, to be quite honest. We've only got the time to do a few, so they're supposed to be relatively rare and a special treat for somebody that they, you know they really, really want to see a specific film. So it's deliberately priced fairly high. So if you're in the UK, obviously you've got to think about exchange rates as well. It's $100 US. It's going to be set on the on the on the um, site and fifty dollars for a commentary. The point we just want to make, though, is when you go and buy these, just think two things. Those are firstly those are guide prices, and what I mean by that is you'd have to pay us a lot more to do certain films. Like I'm not doing the Human Centipede for a hundred dollars because I'm think, not doing the Human Centipede. Period. Well, there Sorry. you go. So you'd have to make a massive donation to even make Becca even think about it. So what I would say is two things. Talk to us first. So if don't you can't just put $100 on the site and say, right, that's for this film. We have to say yes to it first through one of our official accounts. So you need to approach us via email, Twitter, Facebook, something like that. Ask us there and you will get a reply from one of those accounts. And we'll agree the price. Not only that, you may want to you may want us to do two back to back films in one episode. If we weren't a Bond podcast and we're never going to do Bond, the example would be Casino and Quantum. Well, we probably wouldn't charge you two hundred dollars to do two in one. So things like that. Second point we want to make is obvious, but needs thinking about is you might come to us and say such and such is my absolute favorite film. Can you do it? Just be aware you don't buy our opinion. You buy our time. So you may spend $100 to ask us to do your favourite film and then all three of us absolutely slaughter it. So that is possible. So we make no promises on length of show. 
we may do a show when it comes out at an hour and 30 or an hour and 35 and shorter than average. Uh, you may ask for a commentary. We go off topic a lot. We're not going to promise not to do that. What we're promising is to approach that type of show the same way we approach any show. We do. But we can't promise you our opinion will match what you match. We can't promise um, that we're going to say everything you'd want us to say about a film. And we can't promise we'd agree with your opinions. That's all I really wanted to say on it. That doesn't stop you making smaller donations here and there as and when you feel like. But yeah, $100 for a full proper film review, $50 for a commentary, but get it approved with us first. Otherwise, we've got the, the right to just say thanks for the donation because we have to agree that we're going to do it. Yeah, otherwise, and obviously this is, this is separate to our charity requests that we get from time to time. Obviously, we've done one for um, the previous donation, the charity drive that we did. Yeah, and um, we're talking it's, comparable it's sums of money. And in fact, the, the, the price we've just quoted you for a commentary is cheaper, significantly cheaper than we took for that commentary episode. So I think we're being fair with the amount of work that goes into it. It takes two to three hours to record. It takes similar to watch the film. It takes about twice as long to edit. Then you're talking special features and everything else. And that's in and amongst other podcasts we record and other things we appear on. So it's, you know, overall... You're talking 20, 30 hours of our time in total. You know, the three of us individually added together. So we don't think that's unfair. If you think of it in wage terms, we're not being paid a lot for it. Um, but quite simply, we, we, we can't be doing like 15 of these. We need to, they need to be an occasional thing for extraordinary donations once in a while. Yeah, because a, a film or a series that perhaps we wouldn't ordinarily cover, for example. Or yeah. perhaps we didn't think of covering. It's another but reason. It's another reason to talk to us because, like I say, no human centipede. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. We may or, not. Or wanna... anything that's like too that's hate, too far. I hate like... Becker. What what the next uh, series is after Marvel? We got the we reserve the right to say no. We just may not want to do it. So talk to us first. But obviously, we'll be we'll be positively disposed. But like. I don't think certainly two of the three of us aren't massive horror fans. For example, we don't want to watch anything. You know, where you pick a show because you just think it would be funny to put us through that. Think twice because you know. It's because of the nature of it. That's all. Exactly. But I mean, things like um, or was it Pink Flamingos or anything from the John Waters stable? Yeah, I don't want to watch. That. I mean, it's it's kind of it has gross moments of it, but it's because he is you know he's basically trying to push the boundaries of what's acceptable or not. Whereas. Human centipede is just unacceptable. Yeah, so, there's no pushing the boundaries is, about it. It's just unacceptable. You can always ask. That's that's all we're saying. I know, probably won't but, watch it, but, but you guys go but, ahead. Fill your boots. But, but no, I'm like, that's no. not going to happen. It's three of us or none of us. As simple as that. So all three of us have to agree. Um, uh, I think it will be the three of us, as in, because we can't take donations and then ask Charlie to come on completely for free, and then it changes the whole fee structure. So that's really that's going to confuse matters so i think in patreon you're buying the three of us but like i say we have to agree to it first and if it's something we won't just take your money if i i, I we've got like a rough outline of some of the series we're going to do if you come and ask us for a certain film and it's on the list we'll say don't worry you'll get it for free in a couple of years mm. whatever that's all i wanted to say on the yeah. patreon but more to come when we figured the rest out. That's just the headlines. Yeah, we're still we working talk. out the uh, the main details. Yeah. Yeah, but by all means, if you know, just 
you know, if you want to just throw us like a few quid, you can do that on on Patreon. That, absolutely, that's absolutely fine. But always don't feel you have to. Yeah, don't no. feel obliged. You no. know, we're, we're not a charity. You're not lesser if you just listen to this show because we listen to plenty of shows, or I certainly do, where they talk about donations, and I don't give any money, and I've listened to them for years. Mm. Well, like it's the same, yeah, with another well-known podcast that that asks for donations. Um, but yeah, likewise, there's no there's no obligation. Um, they also have a shop, which is another way to do it. Um, we, we don't have a shop, but there we are. But as I say, people who have listened to us don't don't listen to anything. All of a sudden, charging. Would anyone We're really not... buy a T-shirt with starring Edward Snowden written on it? If you oh, would buy this T-shirt, please drop us an email. Expect us to talk at gmail dot com. Please let us know. Yeah. We'll do a poll. All right. Okay, folks. Let's do think... this poll. I think that's it, isn't it? Becca, have you said uh, where we can be found? No, you haven't yet, have you? Becca, at last, we can be show. found back on Twitter at Expect Us to Talk at Long Bloody Last. What, really? Um, yeah, it's been up running a day or two now. Oh, I was I chasing them for days. I, I, was did, chasing I them. did say on our thread, Chris, it is there. All oh, right, well, I've yeah, back up and running I'm, now, I'm, so. I've been asleep, leave me alone. <laughs> I, even, I even tweeted Jack Dorsey. Come on, sort it out, Jack. Yes. Um, but yes, you can find us on Twitter at Expect Us to Talk. You can email us at expectustotalk at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook.com slash do you expect us to talk um you can also be finding us on the youtube if you type in do you expect us to talk you can find us on there and also on itunes if you can give us a lovely five star review help us rank higher and get more listeners thank you and stitcher as well we're also on the stitcher and podbean you can find us on there from time to time we're not officially on there but we appear on there um and that's it yes i do not on grinder and they're like <laughs> grinder because we'll, 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 she keeps we'll mentioning Grinder. I think Becca's desperate to date some gay men, you know. <laughs> or Tinder, is what I meant to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> Keep swiping the right way. Okay. I, I don't use any of those online dating sites, literally. I tried plenty of fish a few years ago. Disaster. So I'm just... Going to go back to the da- traditional methods. She dated a herring. <laughs> <laughs> I stuck him a clipper. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think the best way to go from here is to a completely forgotten and irrelevant corner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which means Becca. Do you expect to talk? We'll return with The Incredible Hulk. <laughs>